0: And welcome to an all new episode of Palace Off the Top Rope Thank you so much for joining me ladies and gentlemen And I'm back from a couple of week hiatus I know I had promised I was going to do a post-draft episode But you know life gets in the way and I was trying to get some rest up Uh, Got a new position in my job so I'm pretty happy about that Um, But also got a message from uh, a buddy of mine who's back on the pod after a few weeks Brandon McLaughlin, he mentioned to me uh, if I was going to do anything for Mortal Kombat and I thought, hey, this is just a perfect opportunity to get, you know, talk about different things. Mortal Kombat's not really my thing, but I do would like to discuss it. So I told him, yeah, let's let's make a pot out of it and we'll we'll discuss
1: everything on it. So welcome back to the show, buddy, and your first non-wrestling uh, episode. Yeah, the uh I don't know what it is, the aura, the environment around me seems very foreign. But um as always, uh very grateful and thank you so much for having me on. Uh I'd also like to say congratulations on your newfound position uh in your professional workplace, aside from uh, aside from what you're doing here. Uh much deserved and very well earned, and I, I hope it uh I hope it does you well and, and does you some justice. Uh ladies and gentlemen, happy to be back on. I know that we previously discussed that I wasn't anticipated to be back on until July. uh until July for the thirtieth anniversary of uh Terminator Two Judgment Day, but I saw you uh you know, as as we as we normally do, we interact with each other on social medias, and and I saw you kind of going on your deal and watching a a three movie marathon. Which God bless you for surviving Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Uh, <laughs> I, I I'm sure we'll probably bring it up in the conversation. I, it's not something that I'm looking forward to talking about in in detail and, and in great uh, great time length, but it's something that needs to be done, and so it, it kind of caught my interest, and I said, hey, I I've been a big mortal uh, mortal combat fan since the beginning since I was a, a child so I I would love to do an episode if if it's in the books and here we are
0: like I said this is always an open invite if you want to come talk about something I will I will do the homework I will do the work uh so um we'll get into Mortal Kombat in, in the main event of the show and we'll talk about that at length and there there's a lot to cover there cuz we did watch all three movies so we'll be talking at length about all three and many different subjects uh, on that movie, but wanted to start off with a couple of bit of notes here. There's a lot of stuff that's been going on pop culture wise and actually Brandon's got a lot of good insights into all the stuff we're about to talk about. So he's actually perfect for, for everything else that we're going to discuss right now. First off, the NFL draft was this past Thursday. Um, a lot of crazy news happening. Uh, actually pre the draft, I was off that that Thursday and uh the news came out or from a leaked report from Adam Schefter who said that Aaron Rodgers uh from close sources saying was not wanting to return to the Green Bay Packers and that sent a huge shockwaves and a huge amount of speculation as to what was going to happen in the actual draft because a lot of quarterbacks were going to be taken in the first round which actually did happen but what what were your thoughts
1: on the Aaron Rodgers news as you heard it Thursday uh, I was, I mean, I don't want to say necessarily that I was shocked. Uh, you could tell with the way that this season was going that there was already a little bit of friction, uh, between Rodgers and the organization, especially if you take, uh, take a look back into last year's draft into the 2020, uh, NFL draft and Green Bay had actually selected a, a quarterback, mm-hmm. which allegedly quote unquote is, was speculated to be his, his replacement. So to speak, um, I uh, I kind of took it as okay if, if Rogers wants to leave, where where does he go uh, after after Green Bay? Because I knew that a lot of these teams were already taking a look at um, the quarterbacks that were up on the uh, that were up on the board for the NFL draft, and that doesn't really leave a whole lot of options left. Maybe uh, my my thought immediately went to uh, New Orleans. Yes. Especially after Breeze's retirement, I had read stuff that he was very much interested in Denver uh, somewhere or somewhere. Mostly or the West
0: Coast is where he wanted to end
1: up. Yeah. I had a buddy of mine at work who's a huge California fan, uh, in, in terms of like sports teams. So he's, uh, he was actually the day of the draft, we were at work working with each other. He was rocking the, the 49ers shirt. He's like, man, 49ers traded up. They need to, they need to trade their pick to Green Bay and they need to pick Aaron Rodgers. And I'm just like, Aaron Rodgers is a very fantastic football player. Uh, you know, when he's playing with a chip on his shoulder, like he did this pre, like we saw in this previous season, I said, but he's only got so many more years left. Don't you want to kind of build for the future? And this mm-hmm. guy's, uh, this guy's response was, man, I don't, I don't care about, I care about the right now. I don't care about the future. Like he, he even went, <laughs> he went on to say, he's like, if the Los Angeles Lakers never win another championship again, I don't care because they got AD, they got LeBron, like they got their super team. Like we're we're in the good for right now, <laughs> and, and that turned into a whole lot of uh, a whole nother conversation that you know really doesn't need to be discussed here on the pod. But uh, it also got me thinking too with uh, Aaron Rodgers' frustrations with the organization, uh, and and this isn't really fair to say because this is kind of comparing apples to oranges. But I do remember a point in time way back when when uh, Kobe rest in peace uh, was actually getting frustrated with uh, with the Lakers uh, right, back right. when back when him and, and Shaq started having a lot of friction as far as like whose team it was so to speak uh, and then Shaq went on to uh, to Miami and actually won a championship with them uh, and at one point I, I remember even Kobe wanted wanting to leave the the Lakers organization which I mean again we're comparing apples to oranges here that the NBA is an entirely different different monster than than the NFL uh and Kobe was kind of still in in the youth of his career he he hadn't really played very many seasons I mean definitely not as many seasons I don't think as Aaron Rodgers had in the in the league so but I mean look at what happened to him he he stuck around and he he ended his career as a as a Los Angeles Lakers so um whether it's contract disputes whether it's a, a money issue or you know just a just a little dispute with management um I don't again I don't I don't know how many more options are are left or I don't even know how much money these other organizations have to e- to even be able to afford in Aaron Rodgers contract so I don't know where he would go if anywhere and if he doesn't then you know I mean sticking with Green Bay doesn't seem like a bad doesn't seem like a bad move and then if you're the Green Bay organization you have him kind of teaching this 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 this, this draft pick that you got um who's going to start not necessarily start, but who's going to be coming into their sophomore year with with the team, and they're still learning and still absorbing from Aaron Rodgers, who's a, one of the greats in his own mind, in his own right. So, uh, yeah, it was super interesting.
0: But how do you how do you respond to the fact that like, what is it about this organization that they just can't surround uh, Aaron with like the offensive firepower, or even draft somebody like this? I mean, last year they went quarterback first round. This year they went with a cornerback. Like, can't you get Aaron Rodgers a wide receiver? Something to make him feel a little bit at ease and not feel, like, frustrated. Like, oh, here we go again. They're building the defense. But, you know, hey, like, they've they've, they've asked so much of him as far as, like, carrying the franchise, which he's done a pretty phenomenal job of. Like, is he diva-esque for sure? Uh, but also, you know, it ain't as uh, the Kid Rock would say back in the day. It ain't bragging if you do it and you back it up, you know. Hmm. Um, I, I I just think that you know his frustrations are warranted, and if I'm at an, any NFL team that's not the Kansas City Chiefs, that's not the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, maybe Baltimore, but I would be on the phones trying to trying to get this guy at least for the like the last few years. He's still got a couple few years left in his prime. Now, could an injury derail that? Yeah, he has been injury prone. But if you're any other team other than like maybe the Jaguars because they drafted like the next highest prospect we hope, um, they should all be on the phone trying to take a crack at Aaron Rodgers. Um, And I know people are going to try to call me out to be a hypocrite because I've kind of felt the opposite as far as Deshaun Watson, who we haven't really talked about or not really the media has anymore, you know, due to personal other reasons going on. But from a football standpoint, like he's wanting out of Houston. But this conversation me and my dad have had is like, what is he He hasn't really done anything yet. Like Aaron Rodgers has at least brought a Super Bowl. He's brought multiple MVPs uh to that organization. He's taken them to NFC championship games. But if he had those weapons or you know, extra support around him, I think they could have gotten over the hump and gone to some more Super Bowls. So I think his frustration and wanting out is a little bit more justified
1: than a Deshaun Watson. I don't know what do you what do you say to that? Uh, so I my response to that actually is is, is a little interesting uh, because I mean over the years too he's yeah I, I'm not going to say that he's had all of the weapons but he's had his you know his Jordy Nelsons mm. and then this last season he was making so much magic happen with uh, Devontae Adams who mm. was the the star wide receiver for that team too so he's always had at least. And this isn't saying much, I know, but he's always had at least that one guy that that could he could kind of rely on, and that could make something out of nothing. Um, and, and I I kind of want to flip that too because I want to pick your brain in terms of uh, being a Patriots fan and being a Tom Brady fan, and look at look at what Tom Brady has done in the past for the the Patriots organization, and they didn't really have you've you've gone on record. Uh, both on the podcast that you've done with Abe and Jake and then you've also even gone several times on social media to to drive the point home that Tom Brady didn't have, you know, the best stars and, and the best wide receivers on his team, but he found a way to make it work. Mm. And he brought multiple championships to that organization. So could it also be could it also be kind of that same frame of thinking where, you know, Aaron Rodgers is as good as he is, should he not be able to you know, pick up the slack and and turn these lesser named receivers for lack of a better term into, into stars and be able to, to pick up a championship like that.
0: I agree with you to some extent, but I'm just going to throw something back at you. And I don't usually throw this out a lot more, more just because I'm like such, and I'll admit I'm a Brady homer, but he was also one side of a, of a, of a coin. He also had Bill Belichick. He also had that side of the defensive mind that was able to win those championships Whereas Aaron, yes, the media always gives him a pass, and I've always harpered on that fact, but, you know, he hasn't always had the best defensive coordinators. It's sometimes it's always had to been on his shoulders. He's gotta score 30 plus or more. I mean, you look at what Tom Brady did with this Tampa Bay squad. You put Aaron Rodgers in that same slot, they're gonna win the Super Bowl also. Like, with that monster defense and those weapons, he's gonna be able to see, um, that same type of result. And just, and, you know, and back to this is not about Brady, but look at all the damage he did to the NFC this past year. Sent Breeze into retirement. Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers are both in a array and be like, what the fuck is going on? Like, they want out, they want more help or whatever. And this is all in Tom Brady's first year coming. They saw what he did and they're like, holy shit, like, we want that too. Like, we want that support, we want that, we want the players that we want on our team. Like, you know, Aaron Rodgers to some degree has earned it a little bit more than russell but russell's like you know he's he's a top top 10 player for sure yeah so he's kind of and he's brought a super bowl home as well so it's just crazy to me how much damage or how much in the heads tom brady has gotten into everybody including sending one into retirement aka like rick players and sean michaels it was that type of deal uh but man yeah just it's just crazy all this uh drama with aaron Rodgers going on there's even more reports came out this weekend of um, him possibly going into retirement if they don't fire the gm oh wow that's basically what his beef is it's not really with the coach or anybody it's with the gm and there there's reports also that he won't come back if that guy's still you know under you know under uh, the head honcho so i mean he'll go host jeopardy i mean he's been doing some kick-ass jobs with that and I mean, who knows how crazy, like, if that ends up happening and we look in the history of the NFL years down the line. Oh, whatever happened to Aaron Rodgers? Oh, he went on to, he retired because he didn't like his GM and went to go host a game show. Like, how crazy would that be, like, in a history footnote?
1: I mean, he's, a uh, and, and I'm, I'm very excited to, you know, with the, with the new spinoff that you've announced that you're going to be doing with the, with the NFL podcast that'll be, uh, launching and debuting later on this year. Uh, this is definitely a topic that, I feel should be whether I get the chance to to be on or, or not, or uh, something that should be readdressed. Uh, just to see, it's kind of like a post. Okay, this is officially what happened. Yeah, yeah. Um, Aaron Rodgers, as you had stated, has has earned uh, every accolade that he's that he's gotten on his belt. Um, all the MP- MVP seasons that he's had, his his Super Bowl championship. Um, you know, and and it's. At, from a fan standpoint especially if you're a Green Bay fan it's something that you definitely don't like to see but he could very he could very well exercise his right to uh, you know just to, to sit out into and, and to kind of protest and not play just kind of sit out on, on the bench and just take mm-hmm. his money and, and you already have as, as we had just discussed the uh, the draft pick that Green Bay had got to you know to kind of to kind of start anew mm-hmm. uh, with this team so um Certain things, yeah, certain uh, certain points that he has, certain gripes are very justifiable. Um, but it's a very cutthroat league. And
0: Are you for that, by the way? I want to ask you because I know it's kind of turning more into like the NBA where like if a star doesn't want to play – because it didn't used to be like that. It'd be like, you know, this that quarterback whatever is on the team until their contract rides out. But now it's like, you know, you see the stuff with Deshaun, the stuff with Aaron, with Russell, where like they want to threaten to go elsewhere and it's like, you know, you think it's more of the Tom Brady effect? Like I mean, I know it's I know he's not the first player to do it. You know, we saw hmm. Payne Manning do it, we've seen Brett Favre do it, but I guess had Brady not won the Super Bowl, do you think this probably would have been quieter noise, or do you think we're we're already shifting to this part in the league where it's kind of becoming more like that, where it's more the star players want to drive the narrative and not have the owners and the GMs be, like, in complete control.
1: They want you, – you mean, like, the star players want to play with each other? Like, they want to kind of build their well, own not super that, teams? Not a super team,
0: but just saying, like, hey, I don't – you know, I don't like the way things are going here. I'll, I'll go elsewhere. Like, even if it's not – you know, the – you know, I know there's reports that the Raiders and the Broncos were – I mean, I don't know about the Raiders being, like – Right. All right, But if that's where Aaron would be happy, I mean, you know, more power to him. Like, are you – in a? Do you think the, sh- the league is shifting that way, or is it only certain players that can get away with this?
1: I feel like a, I feel like it's only a, a deal with certain players. Um, going back to your question about Tom Brady and the Super Bowl, I feel like even if he hadn't won hypothetically, the fact that he was still able to, to get to the dance and he was able to make it that far and knock off all of the the teams that he did on, on the way, um, I, I don't want to say it would have been quieter. I still think that this would have definitely... I mean, this is groundbreaking news no matter how, like, independent of Tom Brady, independent of any other team, this is groundbreaking news no matter how you look at it. Um, I, I feel like, uh, JJ Watt honestly said it best as, as my response to, to that question. I feel like he said it best. We have, uh, you know, these gentlemen that are, that are even younger than us. Like, and, and maybe not my, not by much, you know, they're still in their, their twenties, mid to early twenties. But they have the opportunity to play a game for millions of dollars. Like people tune in and they, they spend money on merchandise. They spend money on, on, on bets, gambling, uh, in, yeah. in Vegas. Not just gambling, but like even take a look at, at fantasy football. Right, right. You know, you know, certain, certain players have a, have a higher tier. Certain players are, are more sought after because, you know, People like us are relying on them to, to get points, to, to win these little, you know, these, these silly little games to, to take us to a quote unquote championship and, and win uh, chunks of money, but they're getting paid so handsomely to, to do what they do. Um, it, it should be more about the passion and, and the love of the game than it should mm-hmm. be about anything else, but at the same time, a champion's mentality is you don't want to do this just to do this. You want to do it to succeed. And if you feel like you're not in an environment where you're set up for success, then I could see how that would how that, how that would kind of drive you to want to make your own narrative and say, all right, look, this isn't working out for me. I, I know what I'm capable of. I know where my talents lie and I want to play for somewhere and for somebody and in an environment that I feel is going to helped me to to achieve that you know to achieve grabbing that brass ring
2: yeah
0: well we'll see what happens uh again that was this was all before the draft started so we haven't even gotten to that um we'll get into that a little bit so we can transition out of the Aaron Rodgers stuff um I'm a Patriots fan also de facto Buccaneers also Tom Brady but also because they were I was a fan of that team before he got there and you being a fan of the Cowboys what were your thoughts on their first round selection I know there was a certain player or players that you were looking to get that other teams got. I don't know if you can speak to that a little bit and, and them dropping back a little bit. Uh, what were your thoughts? I know you were, you had that little teary-eyed emoji, uh, after yeah. I posted a little bit. Uh, I know I get after Cowboys fans and rightfully so on most of them, but I do feel bad for like, you know, fans like you. And there's a couple of others that are like true fans, t- but also realize the reality of your situation. So you're at least real when it comes to your team. So, uh, on that end, I do like, I want to wish you success with your team, but on the other hand, I don't, based on most of the other fan base. But what were your thoughts on the Cowboys draft this year? So
1: this is so this is exactly how it happened. So I'll paint the picture for you. I was uh, on Thursday when it was night one of the NFL draft. I was at the gym working out. I had just finished my workout, and um, at this time, they were already they were already midway through the first ten picks of the draft. Right, uh, and if you If any of you out there are listening, uh, I imagine a lot of you are probably, especially because we have a lot of mutual friends, I imagine a lot of you out there are probably sports fans and especially football fans, so you know how the draft works. If you're not a football fan, maybe you've seen an NFL draft or two. Uh, It's not necessarily something that takes forever, but it's not something that goes super, super rapid fire, uh, which... Hold on to that thought because I have a question for you here in, in a little bit too because there there is something that I saw that just kind of it, – it lit me up pretty good. Um, I didn't want to leave because I didn't want to start driving on the – and it was like – it was it had been raining and storming all week here where we live and uh, I didn't want to start driving and get caught in any sort of traffic uh, while the Dallas Cowboys were making their pick. So I decided to stick around and uh, I was hanging out with the dude that was working the front desk uh, because he's a big Cowboys fan and, and he just – he didn't realize it until I told him, but he was like, Oh my God, the draft is going on. He's like, Who's been picked and, and what's been going on? So I, I've been kind of, I, I let him, let him in on who's been picked up so far. And then, yeah, uh, Sertain was, uh, the cornerback the that we were so heavily wanting. And I can tell that, I can tell that Jerry Jones and I could tell like all of the coaching staff there in Dallas, like I can tell that that's where they were itching because they didn't have a backup plan. <laughs> exactly. Like it's like as soon as Denver made their pick. I admit I kind of lost a little bit of composure I was like I was frustrated because man I really wanted that pick too to, to really bring some some beef and some you know some firepower to the defense uh, especially the secondary which is mm-hmm. where we need it um, and we were both just so like disappointing and, and disappointed at what happened and I kid you not I actually called it um this is not this is not in any way shape or form a lie I he he put the the front desk guy he put his face into his palms and he's like oh my god what do we do now and then he said he's like they're gonna do something that's gonna piss me off and they're gonna (laughs) they're gonna draft another wide receiver that we don't need and i looked at him and i said i kind of looked up in a way and then i looked back at him, and i said either that or they're probably gonna they watch they're gonna trade they're gonna trade the pick away sure enough when they when they came up on the screen the little subway graphic popped up trade alert dallas cowboys traded away the pick i'm like this is the most dallas thing ever like it's it's so it's so bad that I've gotten to the point as a fan where I'm just like, I could, I could see what they're about to do now. Um, historically though, I, I will admit, um, and, and I'll give props to Mr. Eli Perez because I actually, he, he's the one that actually said it on one of his Facebook posts that I've, that I was scrolling past. But historically, Dallas has never really been bad in terms of the draft. They've, they've had some pretty solid At least in picks. the more
0: recent years, right? Yeah, exactly.
1: They, they've they've had some pretty decent picks. Um, and looking, and I have I have it pulled up right here on my phone too. Like looking at some of the some of the picks that they have, like uh, the first rounder being Micah Parsons, a, a linebacker. Um, and then we actually drafted a cornerback, uh, Kelvin Joseph, in, in round two. Okay. Um, a lot of a lot of a lot of the picks um in in all of these rounds were very were very defense oriented which is what which is we need good right yeah and and a lot of them are like the linebackers and quarterback spot i think we picked up a couple of or or one uh defensive end um we picked up uh an offensive guard and an offensive tackle so we're we're beefing up the um uh, you know we're beefing up the front seven we got some defensive backs um and we got some we got some new offensive line we also drafted, uh, I have it pulled up here too. We have, uh, Simi or, or Simi Fahoko from Stanford, which and is a is wide he, receiver. He's a wide receiver. Or? Um, and he looks like he could be kind of one of those, like a, like a Cole Beasley type. Okay. So somebody who could pick up, like if, if we're on third and 10 and we need a quick first down, somebody that can turn something into nothing. Because right. Cole Beasley was, was very reliable and, and it, it kind of saddens me that we were unable to do more with him than, than what we did, but he's, He's got a good team. He's got a good squad with the uh, uh, with the oh my god! I'm blanking. I could see their I could see their logo, but I can't think of the team name. Um, Buffalo with the uh-huh. Bills. Um, my my biggest thing here, and again, this will be something that'll that I hope will be brought up into more depth uh, when you launch your new spinoff with the NFL show. But it's as a fan, and not just in sports in general. I can admit, like as a fan of a lot of things, I'm very short sighted. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I get excited uh when we make these very remarkable draft picks. So for example, like when we drafted uh Des Bryant back in the day or even when we got Ezekiel Elliott back in 2016. I was I was very on board with that. It's not a matter of who we pick and I'm very happy with how the draft turned out. It, it wasn't it wasn't everything that I wanted, but I'm not too disappointed in it either. Um what are we going to do now that we have all of this, you know, now that, now that, now that we've added some depth to all of these positions, to the, to the defense, to the linebacker position, uh, now that we have some offensive line to kind of help protect Dak, because that's exactly what we, that's pretty much exactly what we need. Mm. Uh, you know, Dak is probably not going to be as mobile as we've seen him in the past, uh, past seasons because of that gruesome injury that he underwent, uh, just this last season. So, um, Making sure that he can stay in the pocket as long as he possibly can, and, and that he has the proper time and protection to get the ball into the hands of one of these many weapons that we have, um, is going to be very important. But how are we going to capitalize on that, and how are we going to execute that? And it's going to be very telling. And you've driven this point home as well several times as a fan. How 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 many more excuses as a Dallas Cowboy fan can I or anybody else make? Until we start to see, like, okay, the writing is on the wall. It's not, it's not just the players that have to be held accountable. Something is going awry here, and we just had Mike McCarthy sign as as the head coach, and we recently signed uh, the defensive coach from uh, Atlanta, and he brought over one of his guys too. I think, uh, which will also kind of help out in the secondary. Uh, we gave up Xavier Woods in the in the free agency a couple months ago, so it's not a matter of who. It's a matter of how do we how do we capitalize from here. And I think, depending on how this season goes, we'll be all telling of, okay, there's, there's, there's definitely no more excuses here. Something something has to change, and it's not, it's not just the personnel of, of who's on the field.
0: Your preseason ranking, if possible, like, do, you even, do you have your Cowboys at the top, or do you feel like Washington and New York have better, at least defensive squads at the moment? Because you, you saw what Washington, their defense was pretty good. New York's on the up and come. I still have questions about Daniel Jones and their quarterback, but they didn't have Saquon last year. He, they're getting him back. Uh Their wide receiver course not bad. Also, like where do you put Dallas and all that? Like just being realistically, like do you see them like coming back to? Rec- I mean, I know the division's usually up for grabs every other year, but do you feel like they right now they're at the top, or do you feel like they're mid tier or at the bottom? I I probably wouldn't say bottom. That's Philly.
1: I um. One one thing I will say for sure is I definitely do not want our division even though I can't stand the other teams obviously because biased oh, yeah, yeah. um but I just don't want our division to be the laughing stock of the league again because that was probably the most embarrassing thing as a fan the fact that I couldn't even I couldn't even take seriously the Washington football team and how our rep, the, the representation of our division was a team that didn't even have a winning record. Right. That was that was outrageous. Um, as far as where I see Dallas, uh, New York is, uh, New York has a, has a pretty young team. I know Saquon has, has played a a couple of seasons now already. He's entering what is third or fourth or fourth year, third or fourth year. Um, but they got a lot of young guys, um, on their squad on both ends of the ball. Um, Washington, kind of the same thing. Washington has a pretty strong and scary defense. Uh, and then they have, uh, they just signed Taylor Heineke. to To be there to be their quarterback and so he's going to be he's going to be interesting to see because there's really not a whole lot of film on him still uh Mm -hmm. there's only that one game that he played against uh the buccaneers and in that first round of the playoffs um so they're they're going to be very formidable for those reasons alone i don't see i don't see any reason why dallas shouldn't be number one or number two okay um i want to put them at number one uh but again, I still kinda have my reservations. Um I, I think I think even putting them at number two right now, even though we're about a handful of months away from kickoff or just even from the preseason in general, uh is still very generous um and realistic at the same time. So that's I think that's that's where I see them as of right now.
0: And lastly on the on the Cowboys, are you gonna I don't wanna say give a pass, but like let's say the Cowboys do underperform and let's say A lot of it is on deck. Are you going to be like, hey, he's coming off this really big injury. Like, if he can at least stick it out through the season and be formidable, maybe he'll cost you a game or two. But you know, he's coming off a really bad injury. So, is that is that going to be? I don't want to say an excuse, but like, are you going to be like, maybe the the how do you call it? The foot will be on the gas pedal
1: too hard on it, right? Um, Um, I don't want to be too hard on the guy. I don't really know what it's like to to be in a in a situation like that where it's high pressure, high octane, uh, you know, getting paid millions of dollars, but that's, that's the other thing too. So absolutely not.
0: What about the coach McCarthy? The coach Maybe be more is, harsh on him. Cause he's he just,
1: I think, I think accountability, uh, accountability goes both ways. If, if Dak makes a mistake, that's one thing. Uh, I'm not necessarily going to use his, uh, I'm not necessarily going to use his, his, his injury as, as an excuse. Because he's not, he's not super young, but he's not super old either. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's got, he's got his money. Yeah. He's, he's getting paid 40, 40 something mil for his contract. Not only that, but the Dallas Cowboys organization as a whole has, has lots of money. They can afford the best sports trainers, the best equipment, the best doctors. Um, I know that speaking from personal experience that there's a lot of, uh, from having uh from having surgery on my, my foot and ankle myself mm-hmm. granted my my situation was not as gruesome or as harsh as dax was but there's a lot of psycholo- psychological factors that go into that in right, terms of like imagine. being able to being able to do a lot of physical things uh that you were able to do prior to you, you know going down easily exactly so that that is understandable but i mean that's what the that's what the training camps are for that's what the preseason is for just to kind of, and and he's already working out. I've seen because uh, I follow him on his Instagram. He's he's doing his drills. He's mm-hmm. he's taking snaps, and, and he's he's starting to he's starting to build some some comfort and some confidence back into that foot. So that's that's what those things are for: is to just kind of get the get the nerves out of the way. Uh, the preseason, I think. Uh, I mean, because of because we've already done it with the Super Bowl. The preseason will hopefully be in front of live audiences. So that'll kind of get the that'll kind of get the nerves out and, and get you know. Kind of help to alleviate some of the psychological negativity that he might mm. be going through with his foot. So I'm not going to put too much of, I'm not going to let that be too much of an excuse of, of poor performance. But um, we know,
0: but we know a lot of the hardcore fan base will.
1: Yeah. A lot, a lot of, a lot of the analysts, you'll, you'll get your, your skip Bayless that'll, that'll chime in on Twitter. And yeah, a lot of people will say a lot of things. I, I definitely don't see it that way. Um, speaking personally and then just as a standpoint as a fan, like, you've got your money, you've got the best resources out there. Like uh, unless God forbid something happens and he goes down again and and he re aggravates it. Or if he gets a different type of injury, that's God forbid, that's a different story. Yeah. yeah. But don't wish that at all. I same here. (laughs) I I do not, I do not want to, I do not want to see that, but I don't want that to be, I don't want that to be a crutch anymore. Uh, And, and he can, he can very well, he can, he can turn on the jets. He can turn it on. Um, if he if he just gets back into that mentality that he had in his first year of, you know, playing with a chip on his shoulder and feeling like he's got something to prove, especially now that he's got his contract and now that he's got his money, there's there's no reason for a poor poor performance, in my opinion. Yeah.
0: Well what about the coach? Like let's say final game of the season, it's a chance to go to the playoffs. It's one of those like of course it comes down to the final game of the season to determine if they win the division and go to the playoffs. Let's say McCarthy pulls like a Matt LaFleur where it's like, wow, you're taking the ball out of Aaron Rodgers hands and, you know, deciding to kick the field goal or whatever it was that he did it ended up giving the ball back to Brady. If it comes down to, let's say something like that where like Dak could have probably made a play, but they chose to play it safe. Would you be like, man, I want McCarthy out or would you just be oh, like, abs- oh, well,
1: <laughs> no, absolutely. So in a, in a, in a game defining situation, especially if it's week 16, Especially if the division is on the line. If it's fourth and one, and we're only down by, like, a couple of points, uh, you know, if, if you don't Depending on, cause it also doesn't fall on, on Dak too. It, it also falls on Zeke a little bit in a way too. Right. Like right. I was, He's very, gonna, I
0: mean, that guy's got it. I, I was very that, under,
1: I was very underwhelmed with how he performed this season. Like he, he should not have fumbled the ball as many times as he did. But how does he not get, or maybe I'm not seeing it, but how does he
0: not get more heat for a lot of the stuff when it goes wrong? He should. I, I, I feel like I don't see it. Like I don't see it on social media. I don't see it on, on the analyst part. Uh, it's always, it's always down to Dak or or the head coach, but you're right. There's a lot more accountability, including with Zeke. I just feel like I don't see it more, and I feel like he always gets a pass. And again, maybe it's just from my point of view, the way I'm seeing things. But I don't know. I, I know you know he should be doing better.
1: He's he's. I, I mean, I'm not. I'm not saying it's the best excuse, but he's got. He's young. He's. Probably at this point, he's probably still in his mid twenties. He's and already a five-year veteran, right? Yeah, got he got drafted twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen, he got drafted. He should definitely have it figured out, and he's also got his money too. Yeah, there you go. And he, you know, he he's also got to take. It's also got to be on him too. He's got to be the the person that puts the accountability on himself because even when Dak went down, he should have been the one that stepped up and and kind of took the role as as the locker room leader, which he he. I don't, I don't, I don't want to say he tried. He may have tried, um, in, in the couple of like press interview or like post game interviews that he was a part of that I saw from last season, but you always see it all the time whenever it's game day, uh, because they'll post it on their social media pages. The, the Dallas Cowboys will, it, it's always him and, him and Dak will run up to each other, fist pump, and then they'll, they'll lead the charge. They'll mm-hmm. lead the entire locker room out of the, you know, out of the tunnel and, right. and do the, do the thing there. So he's, He's he's up there. He should he should have that role, especially being a, a five year vet with the team, um, and because of the and because of all of the what, what what's the, I can't really think of the word right now. But because of everything that was put, but all of the expectations that were put on him because of his rookie season and how he just decimated defenses and, and ran all over everybody in his rookie year, mm. he needs to live up to that a, a little more. And if he underperforms this year. I don't really see much of a reason to hold on to him. I mean, we have Pollard, Pollard's hungry, Pollard can can pull off some pretty good stuff. Mm. Either way, any one of those on a fourth any one of those guys on a fourth and one should be able to do something. Dak should be able to dump it off to whoever he needs to. But if it comes down to it where we're just going to settle for a field goal, then yeah, that's that's poor decision making and yeah. that that all that all comes from the coach's standpoint.
0: <laughs> Final point on Zeke. I I look back to one of the games last season where I think I think he fumbled more than once. I want to say like three times. And then I think like it was all like in the first half. And then when they came to interview McCarthy in the second half, like, Hey, what's going on with Zeke? Are you going to like bench him or whatever? And he's, he's, his response, she's like, no, nah, team knows we need him. And it's like, bro, if he had done this on the Patriots, like Belichick would have benched him. Like this is where I think like the Cowboys need a, a stronger minded coach. I'm not trying to you know, say McCarthy can't coach worth a shit because, I mean, he won a Super Bowl for crying out loud. He also but, had Aaron Rodgers true, on that squad. But, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, you know, football is a true team sport. But this is where I think the Cowboys need, like, a strong-minded coach that would have benched, like, an Elliott to, you know, teach a lesson and, you know, just show, like, hey, like, you're going to be held accountable. You can't just, you know, you got your money, yeah, but mistakes like that cannot happen. And I feel like. The discipline part of it is what's also been missing for the Cowboys for, like, th- for so long. Oh, like, I feel definitely. like if they had discipline, they would have – they'd have more W's, like, throughout the years and maybe gotten into more playoffs. But it's always those little mental mistakes and, you know, yeah, you can blame Garrett and all that. But, I mean, it, it all starts from the very, very top and the discipline has been not there forever. Um, Yeah, those are my final thoughts on on
1: that. Jerry's Jerry's got the money. Jerry wants the flash. Jerry wants the he, he wants the headlines. He wants he wants the title of he's he's still living in the past of being America's team yeah. and living in the in the the golden age of the nineties when the Cowboys were very formidable in, in going to Super Bowls and actually winning championships. And if he he's kind of like
0: He thinks more he's,
1: he, he's, he's he's kind of like one of those like look at what I've got. Right. And, and he pours money into into wanting these these very over the top and and luxurious stadiums, and he's willing to fork out millions of dollars for all of these players that are you know that are just like, hey, these are these are big names. Like I got my Amari Cooper, I got my Dak, I got yeah. my Ezekiel Elliott. But it's it's kind of it's it's got to come down to okay, do something with them. Please, like we know they're good. We all know, even people who hate the Cowboys know that we have talent more so than we know what to do with. So actually do something with it, please. Yeah, I just wish Jerry would get away from the the popularity
0: of it all. Right. Because all he sees is like, hey, look, the Cowboys, it doesn't matter what their game is. They always get the highest ratings, like whether they're on Sunday Night Football or Fox NFL at 12 or whatever they always get the highest ratings and it's it's got to be more than that you know like it, it's got to be more than the brand and this is where i compare him to vince mcmahon where it's like he thinks that's all that's going to carry it is the the name value and no you got to look at your whole core and you know all the way from top to bottom that's if they they want to be a championship team again like he really needs to make that the focus but we'll see what happens uh more 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 on that as uh you know, the schedule release is upcoming next. That's the big thing we're looking forward to. I think it's May 12th um, to see where all these games are going to land. Uh, two games in particular where I'll be probably butting heads with my fellow Facebook friends and Twitter people online is uh, the Cowboys and Buccaneers play this year. Ooh. And the Cowboys and the Patriots play this they year. They do. Because this is a longer season this year, folks. The biggest season ever as they're promoting it. Um, the extra week. 17 or week 18 game will be that'll 17. be the extra game for the yeah. cowboys and the patriots and i, I think it's going to be in foxborough so that'll be fun um i want to talk about my pats just a little bit before we move on to i know we've been talking a lot of nfl and we still got some more a lot more stuff to come including mortal Kombat.
1: before we uh before we get to the pats though so this uh you may have actually been leading to it so i didn't mean to cut you off but no, you're good. um the thing that i saw in the draft. At the very end, uh, and I, I wanted to ask you this question. I wanted to get your thoughts on it. So, at the very end, the reigning defending Super Bowl champions, the Buccaneers, were on the clock, and in a matter of like <laughs> minutes, they immediately. I even uh, the the panelists who were who were running the who were commentating the draft uh, were like, "Man, the the coach must must have somewhere must be bedtime. He must have somewhere he needs to be because he just he just dropped that pick very quickly." the the tampa bay buccaneers have uh and you actually put put this out there as of maybe a couple of days ago or something to that effect they re-signed antonio brown so they have officially re-signed their entire squad that went to the super bowl and i know that that's never happened <laughs> it's never happened uh it was unprecedented but it was an unprecedented season uh the, there wasn't a whole lot of training camps there wasn't a preseason. everybody went into it kind of cold and Brady Brady figured it out. Brady took the team. The team went through the vigorous course of the playoffs, went to the NFC Championship game, went to the Super Bowl, and they won the whole enchilada. Um, seems like there's a whole lot of... There's, there's almost like a swagger, and there's a lot of confidence in that team with, with re-signing everybody. And if... They know how to work together, if they know how to play together and they can gel very well, especially now that they're getting uh that they're going to be getting a full on training camp session and they're going to be getting a, a preseason together. How do you feel about that in turn and also in terms of if they know if they can figure it out how to work together wouldn't that mean that other teams could also figure it out because they just have to watch a game film on on how they operate and just kind of figure out their schemes and dynamics what what are your thoughts?
0: I'm licking my chops because. They weren't even that good last season. That's like the scary part about all of this, is that they didn't even figure it out towards <clears throat> excuse me, the very end of the season. And even then they still were like okay. Like you watch their playoff games, like they struggled against Washington. And I know they were playing the quarterback they had in that film on. Then the New Orleans game was very tight. Took a couple of defensive turnovers. And then the Green Bay game. Yeah, they dominated that first half, but then Brady like threw three interceptions, which Kyle Segovia likes to get at me like Tom Brady's not good anymore, but he only points to that one fucking game. Um So that was kind of like whatever. Then the Super Bowl happened, and it was like, oh, like they really like – it felt like – they I just rewatched it actually a few days ago after the draft. It's like, man, they just – they finally had to figure it figured out at that game, finally. And now you figure they re-signed everybody, including everybody on the defense – um, you mentioned all that the off-season programs and all that stuff. They're, they're finally going to have. They're getting a, a huge tight end back that they didn't have in the season. I know Gronk is way past his prime, but there was a guy on there named O.J. Howard. Mm-hmm. Like That's their number one tight end. And they didn't have him. And I know you said, can teams figure it out? But it's like, damn, like you got Mike Evans figured out and whatever. Let's say you have Antonio Brown on the other side figured out. How are you going to deal with the tight ends? How are you going to deal with the running backs? They pick up Giovanni Bernard, so they have Bernard. They have Fournette. They have Ronald Jones all in the backfield. Um, their other wide receiver, like the, their little new Julian Edelman type player, Scotty Miller. It's like super fast, kind of like a Tyree kill. I would compare him more to. Um, there's just going to be so many avenues. Like you're not going to be able to cover everybody. Um, you could double, triple team a certain amount of players, but they have so many playmakers that they're just going to open the field. And I'm looking this. I haven't made my full on prediction yet and I teased it a little bit with Abraham. We're like, the only thing left for Tom Brady to accomplish in his career is to do an undefeated season and win the whole like chip and be like the greatest team ever, which they came close in 2007. And I know that's the one Super Bowl that still haunts him in his nightmares. Like you, when they ask him about that game, you could tell like he, he gets flustered. He gets like, you know, you could tell it's there. It eats at him. And if you ever watched his, um, his uh, little documentary on Facebook. It was called Tom versus Time. It was a little mini documentary series on behind the scenes on his life. And when he talks about that game, and he still watches film from that game, like it eats at him alive. So I know, like, there's a potential. Like with this squad, I don't want to say it just yet, but I think they can go for like an undefeated season. And I'm talking them squashing teams in the 40s, running up the score, um, and getting the job done. But again, I'm inching towards making that prediction, but not just yet one again stuff can happen throughout training camp yeah. off season injuries all the stars have to align that was the that was the other thing that happened for the bucks was that they're in this season they're by they were the last team to go mm. so by the time they played the chiefs that first time like they were dead tired which is why they kind of got squashed at the beginning and then kind of made a little bit of a comeback so everything has to align there has to be like no injuries i know people can say like you know yeah patrick mahomes and the chiefs are going to get it done but you know, no one could have predicted that when he got that concussion like thing, like and that yeah. would have derailed the whole thing. I know he was dealing with turf toe too, you know, two line, offensive linemen go down, like all the stars have to align. But I'm really licking my chops at this season being like one of the all time great stats wise for that team. It's gonna be very interesting. Uh, that, and, if, and if I'm in the NFC like I don't wanna face that team.
1: Oh man, it's it's gonna be <laughs> it's it's gonna be an interesting matchup for sure. They are absolutely going to be formidable and that was that that was the thing at the end of the draft that when I saw it it lit me up because they just they just tossed in that card and they they drew the pick like like light work it was it was so fast because yeah. they I feel like they have a confidence about them now because they have that championship under their belt and they just re-signed that entire squad as you had said which has never been done before so they 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 They're they're walking in, uh and Brady always Brady's has never been one to be on his own high horse. Brady is a seven time Super Bowl champion, but he doesn't play like he's a a Super Bowl champion. He plays like he's got something to prove uh just about every season. Um I'm I'm excited to hear what you have to say about the Patriots. Um one final thing because you had brought it up so now I I kinda want to address it too. Um you brought up Julian Edelman. And yeah. on one of your previous episodes of the podcast, uh, that I listened to, you, you brought it up when the, the news was announced that he had officially announced his retirement from the New England Patriot organization. Uh, CBS Sports, uh, came out. I saw, I was scrolling through my, my social media and there was something in, in terms of an interview where Brady jokingly said, oh yeah, we all know that Julian Edelman isn't done. He just, he doesn't have it in him to say (laughs) that he doesn't want to play for Bill Belichick anymore, that he wants to come and, and play with us here at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So do you, in in your heart of hearts, believe that Julian Edelman has actually called it quits? Or I know that a lot of people kind of give you shit on social media too. Do you feel like this is actually a ploy and that Tom Brady is actually trying to lure Julian Edelman to be on his squad once again and they make another run. You and I are diehard wrestling fans, so it's always never say never. Who, who, Whoever really retires,
0: right? Yeah. I was going through my Facebook memories and I was going through how I left the company and I did this whole big spiel about it. Came back, but I'm like, I'm a wrestler. Wrestlers never retire. Um, with Gronk, it was more the frustration with the operation of how things were run. And his body getting beat up. I think he mentioned like after Super Bowl 53 win against the Rams. Like the next day. I think the next day or night he was in bed crying because of how much pain he was in physically. So he needed to step away to heal up. And then come back. I don't think he ever lost his passion for the game. With Edelman, I need to know if it's... I need to know how bad his injury is. Because his... He had torn his ACL already like a couple Mm -hmm. of times. And it was already... That was his saying. I'm going to do this till the wheels come off. And... uh, so I need to know how injured he is, maybe to the point where maybe it's not worth it to continue doing it. Um, everything I think is strategic social media wise between like Brady and Edelman. Like they're very smart on how to work the audience going back to, I think they showed up like at a basketball game together. This was before Brady announced for the Bucks hmm. and Edelman was like, nah, don't worry. He's coming back or whatever. And like they were, they know how to work everybody like a, like a wrestling crowd. So, Brady doing that or saying that on that little draft little party that they had, that's just Tom up to being more free now. Like he can have that kind of personality for us. If he was still a Patriot, just would have kept it like on the hush hush. I don't think he's gonna come back because uh, I really do think he's like really injured. Because plus he's he's still almost like just in the prime of his career. So right, and I think he wants to be one of those players that really gets remembered in New England. Like he put out a lot of merch immediately right after he um
1: that amazing catch that he had at the that end. and
0: just anything like you know he he released a shirt on his website called Foxborough Forever you know right why are you gonna do that and like then show up at the Bucks like a year later or whatever like Gronk didn't do that you know Gronk just retired and then went off and did his Gronk stuff hmm. I mean he's he's his own brand in general but Edelman I think is more like he was just as feisty as Brady as being like a locker room leader and you know I'm sure he wants to be like. There, whenever the Patriots induct him into their Hall of Fame, and you know he wants to be remembered as a Patriot, so I really do think he's done. Brady can make those jabs or jokes we want because him and Edelman have the same humor. So, you know, Edelman did it to him. I, I, me personally, just the way I know the type of player that he is and the type of passion he brought for that organization, he's going to be a Patriot for for life. I don't think he's coming back.
1: So, he, so that sounds so you sounds like you've already asked answered excuse me the the last question that i kind of wanted to put up here uh just because just for curiosity's sake so either way you look at it because of your affinity with both of these teams because you are a fan of both the new england patriots and the tampa bay buccaneers uh it's going to work out for you either way in the end but let's say (laughs) hypothetically uh you know maybe about a maybe about a month or two from now or Maybe it's not something that happens right away. Maybe we don't see this until next year for, for the next season. But um, if let's say that there are videos that are being put out of showing Julian Edelman working out, and I don't mean working out like in the weight room, just in the weight room, but like doing drills and like doing doing speed and agility and, and, and catching footballs and, and doing all of this stuff. With Brady
0: or just by himself and his just, doing his own thing? Just
1: by himself doing his own thing. Mm-hmm. Do you and kind of and kind of giving you that hint of like oh he's he's not just working out he's doing very foot he's doing footwork he's doing football focused workouts um working on his his footwork his agility getting confidence back into his acl getting strength and and uh, mobility and stability would you be happy as a fan more if they announced that okay julian Edelman is coming out of retirement and he's going to be once again a new england patriot or would you be more happy as a fan if they announced julian edelman is coming out of retirement he wants to play with tom brady one more time before tom brady may or may not hang it up
0: i mean i i mentioned at the beginning i said never say never right i'm I'm, from my point of view i think he's done but the never say never am i gonna be pissed or whatever hell no like i'll be elated like cool like right that's just the power of tom brady like that's you know gronk has said it like he doesn't want to play for any other quarterback ever except tom brady like that's just how high of praise can you get than that so i mean if that were to happen i mean i'll be happy as shit but do i think it's going to happen and i'm just speaking like truthfully i'm not trying to be a homer like i don't think so i think he's i think he's done but i wouldn't be mad at it
1: so but but my my question uh more specifically is because you had you say never say never but then you also went on to to say that he's he's you made it a point that he he launched all of this merchandise and that he's made it perfectly clear that he wants to be remembered in in new england above anything else so if you had to between your two fandoms between your two teams which would you be more elated and more ecstatic to see? Would you like for him more to to go back to New England and finish out his career there, or would you like to see him one more time with Brady and potentially with that squad that they have, assuming everybody still sticks mm-hmm. together? Depending on if this ever happens, uh, would you rather? Would you be happier if you saw that?
0: No, this is an easy one. I'd want him to be a Patriot, and yeah, shocker, folks. Yes, I'm still a Patriots fan. No, I want him to be a Patriot. Like the way he runs out of those, that tunnel. And just hypes up the crowd. He, him and Brady were like the leaders of that. And like, if you ever just, just look up Google or YouTube, Julian Edelman mic'd up on the Patriots sidelines. Like, his shit is just phenomenal. Like, I'll never forget the way he hyped up everybody, or especially Brady, uh, during the halftime of the Falcons game in the Super Bowl. Where I know Brady was dealing with his mom having breast cancer and all that. And he was like, we're gonna win this thing. It's gonna be a hell of a story. And we're going to win it for your mom. Like he was just like that hype man of like, God damn, like I can't see that in another uniform. I want to see it only as a Patriot. So yeah, I'd probably, I would be more elated and I'd want to see him come back and finish his career off as a Patriot.
1: Awesome. Awesome. And that with that, that uh, I see that as the perfect transition for you to go on with uh to continue with what you were about to go and and share your thoughts with the patriots picks and yeah just, how you see their upcoming season yeah just real quickly
0: and it's more specifically just their first round selection i have to go back and do my homework on the other picks that they made but i just want to focus more and that's basically the quarterback situation because that's where the future is and that's what we need to address if this franchise wants to continue running the way it has been for like the 20 last 20 plus years Um, Cam Newton, um, did as best as he could. I know it was a weird year. He got COVID himself. Um, but there's some stuff that like didn't improve upon, which he said he was going to work on as far as mechanics. Like he would scare the shit out of me when he would drop back to pass. I kept thinking every pass he threw was going to get intercepted. A couple of games he was throwing multiple picks and I'm just like, man, this is, this is not what we need. And, you know, he lost us a couple of games. Um, Specifically one where against Buffalo, which was on the up and coming, we had them like dead to rights and he fumbled and, you know, cost us some games. Um, I think he had his opportunity. Um, I know he signed on again and it's officially still his team, but again, Bill Belichick's all about doing what's best for the team and they drafted Mac Jones at number 15, which I'm shocked that he fell that far. Right. Uh, there was all the speculation that he was going to get drafted to the 49ers at the third pick, but that was all like a red herring or just, you know, distracting. That was smart on the 49ers part to make everyone think it was going to be that. Um, that was, that was, that threw everybody through the loop. They picked up who, Justin
1: Fields? Trey Lance. Trey Lance. The Bears, Bears, the Bears
0: traded up to get Justin Fields. That's right. Um, so yeah, so like I just saw Mac Jones continually slip and I'm like dude he's just he's just going to fall right into the lap of the patriots and like this is going to be like the best situation for him. I'm not saying he's the best quarterback, but he's probably him and maybe Justin Fields are falling into the best situation because mm. the bears have a defense. The bears have a pretty good offensive mind and in, in uh Nagy even though maybe he just needed the right quarterback. So, you know, Fields is going to be good there in that operation. Mac Jones is coming into a situation where if he ends up beating out Cam in the training camps and whatnot, it wins a starting job. That defense is getting rebuilt, and a lot of the players are coming back after, you know, sitting the season out. All the money the Patriots spent on free agency, on wide receivers, getting the two best tight ends in free agency, like back-to-back, like that's incredible. Um, the running game has always been solid. Their offensive line uh, is, is always one of the top 10 in the league every other year, um, or top top five every other year they're like just the best in the business and you have bill belichick and josh mcdaniels there at the helm matt patricia coming back a little bit to help out in other areas i know he helped a lot with the defense you know mac jones is coming into a really good situation so if he wins out and if he's the the player that we all hoped uh that he's gonna be and i know bill belichick and nick saban are really close friends so i'm sure saban knows obviously knows a lot more than like draft analysts and all that stuff. I'm pretty sure he was telling Belichick, like, this guy is going to be something if you, if he gets the opportunity. We have to see what happens in training camp. I know Jake likes to give me shit. Like, oh, how could you do this to Cam? Like, dude, I'm all about what's best for the team, dude. Like, if, if Mac Jones ends up beating up Cam in, in training camp, like, I can't help that. Like, I'm going to, I'm going to cheer on our guy. If it ends up being Cam, I'll do it as best as I can, but going off a body of work of what I've seen, like, I just don't think he's, he's the, the answer to the future like and if it wasn't that other guy that they had jared stidham which uh, apparently he's not going to work out um maybe mac jones is the guy and that makes me excited and if he ends up being good and he wins out the job and I i want to say it, i can see them in the playoffs again competing like i put it on facebook i, w- I was joking but also like kind of not joking if i see the mac jones versus patrick mahomes in the afc championship game i would not be shocked it would be like the old school patriots were a lot of it is carried by the defense, but Mac Jones can come in and do a drive and, you know, I guess quote unquote game manage, but he doesn't have to be Tom Brady, you know, throwing bombs and whatnot, what he's doing in Tampa now. But if they can get back to what, the way they were, like the 01, 02, 03 Patriots, where they were very strong defensively and had a good quarterback with weapons, you know, if Brady had what, what Belichick went to go spend out this year, mm-hmm. he would have never left. 'Cause shit, he has people to throw to now. Yeah. No offense to the receivers that were on that team that year, but God, I could only name one receiver that Brady played with that wasn't named Edelman, uh, and that was like Jacoby Myers or Nikhil Harry. But they're there were guys that couldn't get separation, couldn't you know Brady's very strategic on where he he wants you to be at this exact spot to throw you the ball, and if you don't meet that spot, He's going to look elsewhere. Like, he's very strategic, and the Bucks players figured that out real quickly. So, uh, I'm excited for Mac Jones. I want to see what he does in training camp. Um, just seeing what he did in Alabama. I know all these draft experts like to say, like, eh, he's not that good or whatever, but I've never put any stock to what the draft people think. I, I'm all about the body of work and what you actually do in the NFL. So, I'm super excited.
1: Uh, I want to – so still sticking with the pats because I want to pick your brain on on something here. I recall uh, the conversation that we had uh, last year. uh, I came on to the podcast. We did the episode of uh, Fighter Fest and the Great American Bash. Mm -hmm. Uh, Leading up to that conversation that we had about that, uh, the first thing that we talked about was – because back then it was breaking news – was Cam – signing or agreeing to to come play for the new england patriots and you were sharing your thoughts on that and i remember parts of the conversation that we had um in terms of like what what's cam's role on the team going to be because at the time it was still kind of speculation of whether or not he's going to be a a starter um and you had also brought up stidham how how you wouldn't have minded if stidham Especially with as many years as he has under his belt, uh, you know, playing behind Brady and, and learning from Brady and, and watching, uh, Brady kind of, kind of lead that squad and, and what he does and his dynamic. Um, so I want to pick your brain in terms of, because this, this to me is a little bit of a, dist- uh, a different situation than Chicago where they picked up, uh, Justin Fields. Right. And Chicago had prior to that in the, uh, in, um, the free agency had; <laughs> they picked up uh, Andy Dalton, right? And, and they spent money on him. Now, com- comparing Andy Dalton to Cam Newton, Cam Newton, I would venture to say is the better of the two in, in terms of player-wise, because Cam has a little more. I mean, Cam, even though he didn't win, Cam has actually been to a Super Bowl. He true. He, he went. He went there. So what? I, I'm I'm not exactly proposing this question in the best way and I'm probably going to botch it a little bit, but what are your thoughts in terms of with, with Mac Jones being the, uh, the 15th round or basically the first round draft pick for the new England Patriots? If you're Belichick, do you, uh, de- again, this is all, you know, pretty much determined on how everything goes preseason and, and, and training camps. Do you start him right off the bat? And do you, and do you officially put, all of your chips into that basket or because you've already spent the money on re-signing Cam, do you let, do you let him kind of get, kind of work under Cam for the year that you have him and then have him start the following year? Because if you're, if you're the New England, the way I'm looking at it is if you're the New England Patriot organization, if you were just going to draft you know, one of these big name quarterbacks from college, uh, and just have name him the starter right off the bat. Then what was the point of even sign, of re-signing Cam? You know what I mean. And if better. if if history, ser- if memory serves me correct, historically, even though I haven't always been the biggest Patriot follower, um, not as big as you definitely, but when they drafted Brady, they didn't start Brady right away either. the the mm-hmm. new The New England Patriots had their starter at the time. I can't remember who it was, but that person went down, and then Brady took over, and then that's when You're they really. Off. They, they really started to see all of the potential that Brady had, and then, of course, the rest is history. So where, where, where do you stand as far as that? Um, great
0: question. I have a perfect answer for that. The way we've seen the NFL play out these last couple of years isn't having a viable backup like perfect. I mean, you look at the Eagles. Carson Wentz goes down. Nick Foles steps in. They win the Super Bowl. Um you know, Patrick Mahomes went out a couple of games, not this past season, I think the season before. Right. Where I forgot, I think Matt Moore had to come in and mm. play a couple of games and I know the Chiefs won the Super Bowl still that year. Um, freak accidents always happen, more often than not, recently in this in this uh day and age as NFL. So having like two quarterbacks is not, you know, the worst situation, you know. You look at the Saints, how many times did Brees get injured during these final couple of years and Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston were to step in and, and Teddy Bridgewater also and how many games did he win like being a backup like you I think he went like five and zero. Oh. um why wouldn't you start Mac Jones if he ends up being the better performer in the camps you know get him off right off the bat let's say he goes on a win streak or whatever and then let's say he gets hurt cool you have Cam Newton there who's an established veteran can win games uh has been in the high pressure situations you know alas he went to a super bowl so you know having both of them uh, on on the team and you know having mac jones start or whatever i don't think that's a it's a bad situation at all. even though you paid to have camp for another year but again i think they got him on the cheap it's not like they went out and broke the bank for him or anything like that so and i think cam has to realize that too like you know i don't think i, don't say, I forgot how old cam is I i think he's still quite young but I want to say he's a little bit past his prime or whatever peak he was going to have hmm. um, because, you know, you have Belichick, you have the defense and whatnot. You have all the proper coaches there to teach you and your mechanics still haven't really improved. Uh, and uh, I know he's gone on different podcasts saying, like, I know I'm not, like, the the worst quarterback in the league or whatever. Well, you need, where's video of you doing the work and all that stuff? Like, put out videos of you, like, working on your mechanics and stuff. Put more faith into, like, the... New England hopeful, including myself. Like, I'll root for you if you're the quarterback because I'm going to root for you regardless. I won't be a homer. I'll know his flaws if there's flaws. I'm not a Jake Ramirez where it's like, no, Dak, no chance. Okay. Well, there's other factors. It's not all that. Um, but with Cam, I'll be, I'll be realistic. Like, I, I mean, and it's wrong for me to say, like, also, like, that it'll be 100% awesome with Mac Jones because we don't know. Right. But I think it'll be very telling. I'll be very interested in the preseason games. And I'm glad that YouTube TV finally has the NFL network where they'll show those games. And I'm going to be very interested interested to see how Mac Jones does in those games because he's going to have to suit up and play an actual game. So, I mean, if he delivers and performs at a high enough level where Belichick's like, okay, this is my guy to to, to lead the team, why not start him day one? It's not the same league it was like maybe even five, six years ago where you do have the whatever quarterback you draft for the future. Sit out a few years and then they start you know we've seen guys like lamar jackson justin herbert last year showed out joe burrow from day one played right and and balled out like it's just a whole different league now these guys are ready to play day one the game is kind of transitioning and being a little bit more faster like college a little bit even though i'm not all too familiar with the college game but i see a lot of the same schemes being adapted and yeah these quarterbacks are ready to go day one and if Now it becomes a question of like, well, why aren't you starting him? You know, what are you, what are y'all hiding? Is he not that good? You saw that with Tua. Yeah. It's like, why are y'all waiting to play him? And it's like, I know he was injury prone. That was part of it. But if he's, if he, if you draft him that high and he's like an elite level player that you think that he is, you have to throw him. It's kind of like, you know, throwing him out to the fire and see if he, he can handle it. That's just the way it is now. It's a reactionary league. Everybody wants to win now, right? Everybody wants your guy now. You can't have a guy sit behind three years anymore. Like, it's just it's not going to work like that. So that's my answer to that. If you, if Mac Jones is ready to go, you start him day
1: one. I, I agree. I think uh the way that the way that I'm seeing it, and and I'm just looking at this, I, I'm really just going based off of what I've seen historically, and uh, we can talk about it all day too. And and, and mainly you uh, because you know more, so you you know better than I would. How very calculating Bill Belichick is and how calculating that organization, the Patriot organization in general is. Uh, he's out here playing chess while the, the other teams in the NFL are playing checkers. Um, I, I'm not saying that it wouldn't be a viable decision to start Mac Jones. Um, cause yeah, obviously there are players who have been drafted, uh, straight out of college and have started right off the bat for, for mm-hmm. other teams, but the Patriot isn't like, the Patriots aren't like any other teams and, Bill Belichick isn't like any other coach, and it's not so much a matter of him, you know, getting all the nerves out and him, you know, being being nervous under pressure or anything like that. But uh, again, this isn't a uh, this isn't a situation in Chicago where I I feel like Justin Fields should be the obvious starter over Andy Dalton because I mean, I'm not saying Andy Dalton is is a bad football player. I mean, obviously he's in the pros, and I'm I'm not, so he's got something figured out. But I mean. I'm looking at you like, come on, Andy Dalton, like, let's, let's, let's be realistic here. Um, since you've already spent the money on even, regardless of how much it was, regardless if it was breaking the bank or if it was just pocket change to, to an organization, you've already spent the money on, on CAM. I feel like not starting, Mac Jones right off the bat and kind of letting him grow for at least another year and, and grooming him in that system and, and grooming him in that organization mm-hmm. and then when the contract comes to an end, then now that he's got that one year of, of experience and, and one year of, of seeing how, how how they operate and then putting him out there because again, you, you take a look at uh, Bledsoe starting back in way back when in the early 2000s and then once he goes down that's when Brady came out and then that's when we saw the the spectacle that that was Tom Brady and, and hell even even Dak Prescott as a, as a Dallas Cowboys mm-hmm. fan like Dak wasn't named the starter at, at the start of the season Dak emerged because Tony Romo had to go out it was the same situation exactly Tony Romo went down and then that's when we saw like oh crap who's this Dak Prescott kid like okay and then and then I remember the year that it became like a Oh, who's who's the Dallas Cowboys gonna gonna name as their starter? Are they gonna put you know put their confidence back in Tony Romo, who's already shown that he's you know he's he's dealing with he's dealt with a lot of injuries, he's very injury prone. Or are we gonna take a chance on the on the new kid? Um, which by the way, if if Dak does not have the offensive line that he has, and if Dak doesn't have the weapons that he has to to throw to, then who is Dak? So the the no Dak, no chance. I I don't really <laughs> I I don't I I, I kind of I I. I don't really punch my ticket to get on that train. I kind of just wave as it goes. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm behind Dak because he's obviously my QB. Um, but there's a lot of other factors that go into that. But back to my original point, um, Dak came in and then that, and he, he kind of played lights out and that's, that's what got everybody behind him. So for me, I'm seeing it as, yeah, Mac Jones is the future. There's no reason why you should bench him, but at the same time, I don't see it being uh, a negative thing, or I don't see it being a bad thing of waiting, sitting on him just a little bit, having Cam one more year, and then letting Mac Jones and just grooming him for that year, and then letting him get comfortable in, in the organization and, and get comfortable with all the players, and then start him the following year. That's or or if if nothing else, God forbid. I, I don't wish any injury on anybody, but God forbid if uh. Cam Newton does go down in the middle of the season because things happen. Then okay, then 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 you can bring him in. He's he's already there. But starting him right off right off the bat at the at the beginning of the season, uh, I'm kind of indifferent on that one.
0: Well, here's where it's like a double edged sword for the Patriots because on one hand, Belichick is never swayed by media or anything like that. So let's say Mac Jones isn't ready and he's not going to play him because he knows he's not ready. Right. But let's say the media is climbing for it. Like, come on, we need to get this new guy out of here. Cam's not cam's doing like mediocre or whatever but if bill doesn't think he's ready then that's that it's not going to play him but on the other hand now the patriots have built the reputation if you go back to draft night how did that person announce the pick the six-time world champion New England, the biggest boost Ugh. now they're like now they have expectations to live up to now we have that on our on our plate so maybe the owner will craft will be like hey like You know, look look at these titles. We have a reputation to uphold. If if this kid's going to give us the best chance of winning, even though you think he may not be ready, like we need to throw him out there. Because hey, we didn't make the playoffs last year. We don't want to become that team that like used to be great. No, we want to continue that that train going. And I think crop craft is smart, and so is Belichick too. So I mean, again, he's going to play whoever is best for the team at that time. Now could be mac jones the first couple of weeks and then maybe he stumbles and then they put throw cam back in or maybe cam goes on a long run and then you know god forbid he gets injured and mac jones maybe may have will have learned the system by then and he'll be ready to go but again it's a double-edged sword especially with the patriots because now they have that that reputation right to uphold but yeah no I, I, either way i'm super excited just not just because of mac jones and the potential there but all the money they spend in free agency and a lot of the defensive players coming back and uh, now, you know, whether anybody wants to admit it or not, you know, I'm sure Belichick's got a little chip on his shoulder. You know, he saw number 12 go to TB and and win a title. It's like, fuck. Like, now now Belichick, not that he, he needs to prove anything to anybody, maybe just to himself. He's like, you know what, I'm, I, I need to make these last couple of years worth it. I don't know how much longer he's going to coach. Not that he's like super old. Like, Bruce Arians is older, I think, than Bill Belichick. Right. But I don't know how much longer he's going to do it. So I'm sure he's going to do whatever he can to get that team back to the promised land without, you know, the other half of the coin. So it'll be fun either way. So I'm looking forward to it. Any more thoughts on the draft? There, or-
1: uh, I feel I'm. I'm pretty sure you're. Sh- you're going to share the same sentiment. But uh, this is kind of like I'm, I'm starting to feel the the cat scratching at the door. Uh, we only got. We only got about what three, three and a half more months, four months left of, of no football, and then preseason happens, and then come September, it's kickoff. It's 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 going to be here before you know it. And these, uh, I, I keep plugging the the spinoff show that you're going to have that you're going to be uh, launching when that time comes, and all of these are going to be super fun conversations to to revisit. And I can't wait to to listen and, and hear you know what your what your analyses are analysis analysis are on you know how the season progresses. Um, but, uh, even though I have, I've stated earlier that I have my reservations, I mean, it's kind of like WrestleMania. Once, once you, once you get there, you actually feel once the time comes, the magic is actually there and, and you're excited for it. So the cat is already scratching at the door. I'm, I'm, I'm super excited for kickoff. Now that, now that we've gone through the draft, now that we've gone through, uh, the free agency, it's just a matter of, Letting letting these gentlemen do what they do best, letting them go through their progressions, going through the camps, going through the preseason, and then off to the races. We'll see what happens.
0: Well, it's like I love how much like the NFL's kind of almost become a year round thing because like it used to be like after the Super Bowl like it'd be like super quiet. The draft like you'd get some noise, but now like the drafts an event. Mm-hmm. Freaking Kings of Leon were playing. I think they turned it into like a little spectacle. Yeah, I was all for that. I know there were people like, come on, just draft already. I was like, no, dude, the draft's like an event now. It's a big deal. Like. They're going to add theatrics and, you know, they'll have a concert here or there or whatever. Like the whole look of it in Cleveland was pretty awesome. Um, but, yeah, so now next what we have to look forward to is May 12th is the release of the schedule to find out when they're going to play, what's going to be on Sunday Night Football, what's going to be on Monday Night Football. That's, I mean, if you're a diehard football fan, like you're a fan of that. And that's just for the release of the schedule. Like yeah. It's just crazy. And then, of course, training camp and offseason, you'll start to see videos floating around everywhere. So that's, it's going to be, it'll be here before you know it. Then we'll start getting fantasy football and then getting your teams together. That, that's all going to be here very quick. And then it's going to be like, man, the 2020 season just finished not that long ago. Like what happened? So I love it now. Um, let's transition out of that. Um, we still have a lot to cover, um, including Mortal Kombat, which we'll, we'll get to in the main event of the show. Yes, folks, we're not even at the main event yet. So. Bear with us. Thank you if you've been joining us. Uh, just a lot of stuff that we needed to to cover in the couple of weeks that I've been off. And, I'm again, I'm here with Brandon. I'm glad he's joining me in this conversation. I'm happy to have him and bounce off him. Uh, next topic. Um, I haven't really been able to discuss this because uh, the person I, I, I wanted to get for this show, our schedules haven't really aligned. And Brandon's pretty familiar with uh, a lot of the content. Uh, and just mostly everybody is because it's just now – the whole mainstream of it and that's the the marvel cinematic universe has just taken over the world uh i stated this like a, a year or two ago it's like it's bigger than star wars now i think and just pop culture is just like the number one thing you know i have my my reservations about it like i i like for a majority of it i love the mcu i enjoy the movies and all that stuff my my problem and i'll always reiterate this is that i hate that it becomes like these are the only movies that matter but and I need to point out that there's other movies out there. So that's my whole thing. When people make it out like these are the only movies that matter, like that's where where I have issue and I start to play the role of troll where it's like, you know, there's other like Marvel did an event how to do political thrillers or how to do grief and all that stuff. Like there's there's other stuff out there if you broaden your horizons. But with that being said, um we're in what? The start of May and we've had two television shows that have come from Marvel, and this is like a, kind of like a project experiment. This is the first time it's ever been done. So we have characters that have been played in the movies, and we're talking specifically characters like Wanda and Vision, Falcon and Winter Soldier. They they started off in the movies and they're side characters, but when they announced the next phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, they were going to incorporate Disney Plus, and they were going to make these into television shows, little miniseries. Now, whether it's going to lead into certain movies and whatnot is, You know, up for speculation, that's always been what the Marvel Cinematic Universe is. Easter eggs laying out to the next thing, but now they're getting TV and streaming involved. So it's like, how is that going to work out? So we've had WandaVision. That's played out, come and gone. And we just wrapped up Falcon and Winter Soldier about a week or two ago. And the next thing will be, uh, I believe it's Loki coming in June. Yes. And then Black Widow will start in July with the actual movies. Because, of course, they're finally going to release it. It's got a release date. It's going to be available on Disney Plus to stream at home as well as theaters, so that's how you know it's going to be released because it's a double double thing the way HBO Max is doing. But I wanted to pick Brandon's brain a little bit. Um, I know you're not fully caught up on Falcon and
1: Winter Soldier. You say you're just missing the finale. Is that correct? Yeah, this just the – whatever the last episode that they released, what was it, about a week or two ago is yeah, the yeah. only one that I haven't caught up with. I mean I've, I've kind of I, – I essentially know the gist of what's going to happen because uh, sadly I've – You know, spoilers on online and through social media, like a well. Plus, the writing was on the wall too. You you could obviously see what was going to happen and how the transition was going to play out from the previous episode, or I mean, just just throughout the series as a whole, you you knew what they were building up to. But that's pretty 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 much the only missing piece that that's out there. But I've I've watched Wandavision in its
0: entirety, and this isn't really more to talk about storyline wise. I just want to talk, pick your brain more as like a viewer and how you're feeling about it. So WandaVision happens, Falcon and Winter Soldier. How do you feel about the Marvel project being put into like episodes? Like, Do you like this idea? Does it feel episodic to you? Or do you feel like these shows could have been their own movies? Or do you think it would have not worked as a movie and it was better done told this way? Because I'll give you my thoughts right now, but I want to hear your thoughts first.
1: Uh, personally speaking, I feel like it. both of those could apply respectively to... Uh, each of the shows so I could see WandaVision what the way that they the way that they played out WandaVision I feel was was great Um, and that's something that I could see if it wasn't going to be a Disney Plus exclusive let's say for example if this was going to be for all intents and purposes maybe they released it on Netflix or or maybe it maybe it would have been a major uh, like a TV show on like a major television broadcast Um, the way that they executed it made it make sense because they had them go through like the different time, uh, different eras and different genres of like television shows. So. Loved that. Loved it. From, from the get go, it was like, it was like the, the theme of like the black and white, like the 1950s kind of television sitcom. And then as the, I guess as the show progressed, it, it kind of turned into one of those kind of like a, I can't really think of a good parallel, but one of those TV shows where it's like they, they have the characters doing the, the stuff and then it, it kind of focuses on one of the character and they're like talking to the camera, just kind of narrating what's going on or yeah, narrating yeah. their thoughts. So turning one division into uh, a TV show makes sense. Falcon and the Winter Soldier to me. Um, it, it feels like it could have been more or less a, a movie, just, just another movie. Um, the episodes, uh, for the show were more so along the thirty, forty minute mark as opposed to WandaVision. They were more like twenty minute 30, right, right. 30 minute episodes and then I I mean both shows had a very gratuit amounts gratuitous amounts amount of, of end credits. Uh Falcon and Winter Soldier, <laughs> Soldier could have just easily have been just another movie. Um they could have cut some of the some of the stuff out and just co- told a, a continuous story from start to finish. Again, because you you knew even like before the show itself kicked off you knew since episode one what what they were planning for what the what the outcome was going to be so they could have just made that into a movie i'm not mad i'm not upset with how they did it uh in in doing kind of episode by episode um again this is then just trying new things but um i would have i would have rather have had it into just one giant piece rather than breaking it up week by week but wandavision WandaVision, they did it with that first but it actually worked because of how they told that story so
2: okay
0: uh loved your thoughts and, and I, I pretty much in agreement with a, a chunk of what you said um, let me start off on WandaVision. first of all a I don't think that show works if Elizabeth Olsen didn't give like one of the most amazing performances oh she was fantastic she carried that thing like now that character is like fully fleshed out and you care about it she's not just a you know, a character that appears in the Avengers alongside. Yeah. Now she's fully fleshed, and her performance was so dynamic, so many different, you know, avenues she went down. This one felt episodic, going from era to era. Um, I wish they would have continued to go down that path a little bit more. I wish it really would have been, the whole show would have been that, as opposed to them, like, going back and forth between the real world and then, oh, Hmm. it's it's actually her simulating the television world. I would have loved... For that to have been the reveal at the end, like oh shit, this was actually all simulated this whole time. Yeah, and let that be the the whole mystery, and then maybe you can squeeze a, a season two or whatever. The fact that like it was episodic for those few moments. I think I believe I, I forgot how many episodes Wandavision was. I think it was eight. Was it eight or six? eight or nine something? No, Falcon and Winter Soldier was six. That's right. I think Wandavision was nine episodes. So like by the time episode four came around. It got into that real MCU. Okay. We got to connect all the dots and it's got to, you know, deal with everything going on post the blip. Um, so I liked it for, for that aspect. Like the first three or four episodes of WandaVision were just like kind of like mind fuck television. Like, Oh shit. Like there's some weird stuff going on here. And then like the little commercials that they would add in for high kind of like were kind of creepy too. Some of them were like, like what's that animated one where it was like a shark. That a guy like starving himself and it was like for a candy. It was like a juice commercial. Or it was something a weird like that. Thing. Yeah. And I was like, it was very nineties S. Yes. And I was like, man, this is so fucking, weird. it was like very twin peaks, like very just like that's so out of left field and weird, but I like that. Like that's my kind of shit. So I would have loved for them to continue that. And then maybe the reveal would have been like, oh, like this is she's creating this whole little world on her own. That would have been a cool reveal if you wanted to continue making this like its own little series and you know, it being, yeah, it's part of a larger world, but you can still keep it self-contained. But I know they had to connect it to Doctor Strange. I think that's where her character's headed, uh, next in the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I think that movie, uh, Doctor Strange is going to be coming out. If I'm looking at here. It's going to be March 2022. So that's next year. So they yeah. had to tie that in. Um, as far as Falcon and Winter Soldier is concerned, absolutely this could have been a movie none of it felt episodic everything was continuing literally the next point so it's oh, like, for sure what was the whole point of breaking it up into like a six-hour movie like yes there's a lot of stuff they could have cut out where what it would have worked as a television show and this is stuff that's kind of tying into now is a, a lot of the racial stuff that they're diving into but they were doing it in a way where it was like it was very interesting the way they introduced the was it isaiah character that's, that black super soldier. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, was it, is it Isaiah Kelly? I think that was his name. Or Isaiah Bradley, I think that was his name.
1: You're talking about his, uh, uh, Wyatt Russell's characters. Is his, like, best friend, right? His no, no, the, the,
0: the, the, super soldier guy that Winter Soldier introduces, like, hey, there was a...
1: Oh, the old timer guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That okay, guy. okay, okay.
0: So, like, they're diving into these themes here. I'm like, oh man, this is real interesting. But then, of course, you have to appease the kids and whatnot, so you'd have, like, your little action buddy cop stuff like i didn't really understand the the whole friction between uh or there wasn't really that much friction between falcon and winter soldier where they tried to i don't know why they were at odds with each other sometimes but like it just felt out of place um bringing zemo back was like a plus i, I thought he was one of the better villains that may him. have been the show stealer right there. oh for sure um a lot of people didn't like him in civil war but i loved it because he was one of those villains that You know, like the Joker, he's gonna beat you with his mind. Mm. He's gonna, he's gonna destroy you from within. And that was the brilliance of him. He's like he was calculating, and he was doing a lot of that here. But also like being funny, and also kind of like making you kind of like him. And I'm like, man, I want, you know, no, no offense to Winter Soldier and Falcon, but I want to see more what this guy's up to. Like you can tell, like his wheels are turning throughout this show, and he's got so much stuff cooking. And even uh, I know you haven't seen the finale yet, but the way things are kind of left off with him, it's like, man, I want to see more of this guy. Falcon and Winter Soldier, that stuff was okay, like, but as a movie, and then afterwards, and I'm sure you've heard it already because the news has spilled, there's going to be a Captain America 4 with this guy as a movie. And I'm like, couldn't this have been de facto Captain America 4? Like, because that's what it's all leading to, the whole, who's worthy of uh, carrying the shield and and the mantle. And I'm like, really? Like, I'm not interested in a, a Falcon, Captain America type movie, unless you surround it with a shitload of badass supporting characters like Gizmo, or even a Sharon Carter. Like yeah, there's yeah. some stuff that once you see the finale, there's some interesting stuff there with her on the horizon. Um, they casted uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus, who's better known to mostly everyone. She would play Elaine on Seinfeld. Uh, brilliant casting choice as a. Uh, she has this weird long name. But she's going to be a vital part of of the MCU going forward. Um, I think she's going to be appearing in Black Widow, which is what the Marvel diehards have told me. So she's going to be a very important character. And then, of course, the standout, surprising turn of Wyatt Russell as John Walker was just so fucking entertaining. So the combination of him, Zemo, and Carter, to me, were more interesting than whatever was going on with... Winter Soldier and his story of redemption and whatnot. And even Falcon. The stuff that he did with Isaiah Bradley and all the undertones of like, will they ever let a black man be a Captain America? Or will they ever let a black man be Captain America in the U.S. in the present day? Right. That were some interesting themes. but As far as it, like, as a television show, didn't hit all the right notes for me. That's not what a TV show should be. Should be episodic. Should be like, uh, you know, even Cobra Kai. You can turn that into a movie you want, but they've done that really well to, to make it an episodic television series. I'm really excited for season four. Oh, finish wrapping, folks. That's coming. Um, but yeah, that, th- those are my quick thoughts on that. Just, um, I think it, it, it'll work. I think the Loki show will be more episodic because that feels like it could go down so many different avenues. Yeah. It could stick, I don't think it's going to stick to one main story. I want it to be like an adventure of the week. Mm. Like Loki shows up on earth, whatever and deals with whatever's going on there so that has the potential to be a good television show that was the one i was most looking forward to on the slate of announced tv shows but yeah after having seen falcon and winter soldier i stated this way before the show came out and they showed the little previews i was like man this looks like the same the same shit and it kind of was to to be honest and once you see the finale you'll see what i'm getting at like the villains were like whatever but the more interesting part of it was Zemo and and Wyatt Russell, and I want to see where those characters go. Any more thoughts on on that?
1: Uh, a couple more, actually, uh, in in regards to both shows. So with with WandaVision, actually, this question will apply to both, um, because I, in terms of the way that that Marvel produces television shows in general, and I know in the past they've done uh, Agents of Shield which I've never seen an episode of in my life, to be a hundred percent honest. But, uh, back five, six years ago, there was a little Easter egg or there was an episode where, you know, people were saying like, Oh, you had to have watched agents of shield because there was a certain episode that explained leading up into the age of Ultron of, of how they got to that point of right, how right, they, right. how they got, how Loki's scepter gotten onto that, that, that military base or what have you in the beginning of the movie. Um, so the way that, that Marvel produces their television shows, is, it's very clear that they're doing it because they want it to play into their cinematic universe, into their movies. Um, with, with WandaVision and, and uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier coming out, and these are just, we're barely even scratching the tip of the iceberg here because there's still a lot more, not just Marvel, but Disney content in general, uh, that is yet to be released, that has been revealed, uh, some odd number of months ago. How much of the pandemic that we, that we're experiencing, that we experienced, how much of that do you think goes into play in terms of why shows like these, uh, exist, especially since the, the powerful world of, since the world of streaming has become more powerful because of how everything had to adapt with the situation that we were all put in. If COVID never happened, would Falcon and Winter Soldier and and WandaVision have existed would Falcon and Winter Soldier have been a movie how do you think that would have played out um, I
0: think they were still going to try this route regardless cuz this was all pre-announced before the pandemic so um I think they were heading that way just to experiment with these characters I don't think they were going to put Black Panther onto a you know a streaming site like right. in the near future or Captain Marvel for that matter but um just in terms of like where they were headed, like, yeah, I think it was always going to go this route. Um, God, I, sh- I sort of lost my train of thought.
1: Um, it was kind of word verb vomit. I know I threw a lot at you, but yeah. Yeah, no,
0: go ahead and give it to me one more time. I'm trying to process it all. There's just a lot to, to focus on.
1: So I'll try to keep long story short here. So, um, obviously the pandemic caused a lot of, a lot of these streaming services right, right, right. To, to kind of take advantage. Would, um, would it have worked the same? Would we have gotten the same results if we weren't put in the situation we were in? Would everything still have been episodic? Could, could they have made them into movies? How do you think that would have played out oh, if, if anything different would have happened?
0: No, with these characters, I think they were always going to do that. Those stories, their storylines that I think were dropped because of the pandemic. Like I think Falcon and Winter Soldier was originally going to have a storyline where it involved like a virus, <laughs> and obviously that would have been poor timing given everything that happened here or just around the world in general. So they kind of scrapped that. And that's why there's some stuff in Falcon and Winter Soldier that doesn't really make sense. Like there's some there's some there's something going on there with the Flag Smashers where it's like, what the hell? What really is their agenda? Like, what are they about? Like, I'm finding that hard to grasp. So
1: it kind of makes it kind of makes you like the show makes it out to where they're supposed to be the clear bad guys, but then there are moments in the show where it kind of makes you empathize with them a little bit, and and it kind of makes it kind of shows them in a in a different light. It's like, make up your mind. Like, am I, am I supposed to like him? Am I supposed to not like them? What's, right, what's going
0: right. on? Um, and also, I think before the pandemic, WandaVision was not supposed to be the first show to be released. It was supposed to be Falcon and Winter Soldier. So I don't know what happened where they reversed course and did WandaVision first, hmm. which I think was a great start. That was a good move because, you know, you want to start this off right and get people buzzing. People were buzzing about WandaVision almost. And it was building like every week. Uh, people were talking about it online and to the point where, like, the last few episodes, like, I would stay up till 2 o'clock our time to watch it. And it would be hard to log into Disney Plus because everybody's – they crashed the Disney Plus site, like, I don't know how many times, like, the last three episodes. Falcon and Winter Soldier rarely had any buzz other than the first episode out where everybody was comparing the the memes, the, the memes yeah. of Captain America to, to John Walker's. And other than that, the the talk on it was very quiet because it was a lot of very more adult themes in that show and stuff they were tackling. And again, a lot of, a lot of it was also the same same old stuff, same old action type uh, sequences. So, and I never had trouble. I was waiting for like, man, is this building buzz? Am I going to have trouble logging into Disney Plus for the finale? And like, I never had any of those problems. So, um, it was that was a great reverse course for them to start with Wandavision and get that buzz. And I, I know there's still a lot of people that tuned into falcon and winter soldier but i think wandavision had the better jump start for them into the streaming tv world and that should be bolstered more with loki come june so uh, i know we have like what about a a little over a month until that show premieres and then uh let's jump into the next set of movies that are going to be coming so we got actually
1: a lot this year
0: so black widow comes out july 9th what are you feeling like of whatever on that one or
1: i'm i'm indifferent um obviously uh natasha romanoff black widow she was a pivotal part of of the original group of, of the avengers group she she played a big role and um i'm not going to dismiss it uh because i'm a, I'm a big uh, marvel fan so I'm, I'm gonna go see it and i'm planning on seeing it in theaters uh, because that's how I feel. It deserves to be seen. And plus, if I'm going to fork out money to go see it, I might as well get the the full on experience. I right. don't want to spend a thirty dollar premium to to watch it on a on an app on just a standard. You know, I still flat think screen. they're going
0: to raise the price. That's my theory. Because if you're going to do a movie I like this, not. if you're going to do a movie like this, I would raise the price from a from Disney standpoint. Because Disney's the only corporation that can get away with this, and people will still sh- shell out money. Like let's say they announce tomorrow that they're raising this to like. Fifty bucks.
1: The hardcore. There's still still going to be people that are going to pay
0: that money. So, uh, but I'm I'm trying to figure out Disney's strategy. They haven't really released official numbers, but the fact that they've done this now with Mulan and Raya and the Last Dragon, I gotta believe those numbers for Disney Plus have been pretty good. Because if not, they wouldn't have. I don't think they would have announced Black Widow as a double like streaming and then theater. They would have just left the theater. And this Mm kind of contradicts what. Kevin Feige was saying, but again, he's not the head of Disney. Kevin Feige's like, no, these movies are going to be like what we have planned. They're theatrical. They're not going to get thrown to streaming. And then here comes Disney's like, no, it's you can watch it at home as well. But you can you still have the big movie theater there to go catch it if you want. So it's a little weird. Um it, It's weird times. But um, yeah, if you have the opportunity to go see Black Widow on a big screen, I would welcome it. Uh, just because it's my profession, so uh, it'll help us out. So. Uh, but, yeah, I'm also kind of indifferent to it, too, and kind of figuring, like, well, how much does it really play into the, the long scheme of this next phase? Because they've delayed it I don't know how many more times, but yet they've released, you know... If they were going to do this double streaming thing, why didn't they release it before Right, Falcon and Winter Soldier and before WandaVision? So I kind of figure, like, this movie is just... It'll do what it's supposed to do, but how it's going to factor into future stories, I mean, that's, you know, whatever. And then in september we got shang chai
1: and the legend of the ten rings which a trailer finally premiered for that about a week or two ago did you watch the trailer for that i I watched little bits and pieces of it it looks very intriguing uh this isn't a character historically that i've been fully invested in but because of the way that you know visually everything looks very appealing and you know super flashy and uh catches the attention it's something that i'm going to venture to venture out to go see
0: this is where i'm gonna see the longevity of marvel of how it's gonna hold because you don't have uh, a robert downey jr a chris evans star power heading the team like who's who's the next like big star that's gonna like you know carry who's the next john cena that's gonna carry stone cold the rock like to there has to be like a star at the at the top of this like and look at a couple of these movies like shang chai like I know it's a, it's a more like Asian, you know, friendly cast. Yeah. I think the most notable name I saw in here was Aquafina. That's who I was able to recognize right off the bat. But she's not like a, you know, you're not going to see her name on a poster. Like, no offense to her. She's, she's a fine actress. But then you got like Eternals in November and the biggest name there is Angelina Jolie. Mm. But like everybody else there, like they're, they're known actors, but they're not like heavy hitters. So it's going to be interesting to see whether these movies hit or not. Like, with Guardians of the Galaxy, it was a big risk. But you at least knew who Chris Pratt was
2: from yeah. Parks and Rec. Yeah,
0: You knew Batista if you're a wrestling fan. and Batista's pretty well-known. Like, you know, there's memes of him and stuff like that. So he's pretty well-known. Zoe so, Saldana was a big Yeah, name. so yeah. You have, Vin have, Diesel. It was a risky property, but you had actors behind it. Yeah. Eternals, like, you have um, Kumail Nanjiani. Like, if you don't know him from, like, you know, Silicon Valley and, you know, other little small shows he's been on. Like, he's not a big name. Brian Tyree Henry's in it, unless, you know, him from Atlanta or if you saw Godzilla versus Kong, he was the podcast guy. Like, he's going to be in it. Like, I- I'm waiting to see, like, once they transition out of, like, Thor and, like, Ant-Man, like, I don't know how many more movies he's going to do. Like, where's your next big star? Like, do you see that? Like, or, or do you see, like, like, if, they, if in any of these movies or future movies, if they were to land like a, a Leonardo DiCaprio, I'm going to be like, oh shit, okay, they got their guy or whatever. Whatever the role is. I just, I don't see that right now because I feel like Marvel's going to now be reliant just like McManus where they think the brand is the star. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what made Marvel the first, um, phase or the first round of movies work, it wasn't only just the connecting stories. It was, you had like legit stars at the helm. Downey Jr., Chris Evans, you know you brought in all these heavy Scarlett Johansson, you know, she's, she's a pretty big name now post this. I'm just, you know, Brie Larson and Chris Hemsworth, like Paul Rudd, those are your guys like leading the charge in this next wave. Like Tom Holland, I know he's been a hit as Spider-Man, but is he big enough to carry this whole thing for the next
1: 10 years? Like, what are your thoughts on that? Uh It, uh, where I'm going to, where I'm going to go with this is uh my heart is telling me And this isn't exactly the the best way of of approaching it, and I'm going to readdress this point uh, when we get later on into the show to to talk about Mortal Kombat because this kind of applies to that as well. I know that cinematically, if you're going to make a a movie out of something based off of a novel or based off of comic books or, or video games or what have you, it doesn't always have to match apples for apples. This is... I don't want to say it's a reimagining, but they even say they during the end credits. One of the first thing, one of the first graphics that you see during the end credits of a Marvel movie is based on the graphic novel right. by you know Steve Ditko and and Stan Lee. It's not.
0: It's not a straight this, up adaptation. This is
1: this is an exact replica of what the comic would comic book would be in movie form. If you're following phases. From the Marvel comic books, at one point, Spider-Man does team up with the Fantastic Four and like Wolverine, and they essentially build what is known as the New Avengers. Mm-hmm. They they kind of build a group, and because I'm a big Spider-Man Mark, because I'm a big Spider-Man guy, I would I would love to to see that uh, in terms of of a of a cinematic display. Uh, Tom Holland is is still young. He's still got plenty of years left in his career to where he could actually, he could actually do that. He could pull something like that off where you can get behind him and he he can, he's already established himself as a, as a great character in in the role of of Spider-Man and and Peter Parker. And a lot of people will debate that with me because over the years we've had Tobey Maguire and and Andrew Garfield and people are indifferent about different things and and how each of these actors have, have done that. But I wouldn't be, I wouldn't hate the idea of Spider-Man leading the front charge and then having you know the the cast of guardians and then having the uh, the Paul Rudd uh kind of kind of backing him up and, and still kind of holding that that star power um until eventually that they that they kind of drift away and uh inevitably and it's also it's also super unfortunate too as well because with the passing of Chadwick Boseman Chadwick Boseman could oh, have he been have, he could have been he could have been choice. he could have been a front runner and he could have been a big name that could have carried that that industry going forward as well and unfortunately we, we won't get to see that but we also you also got to consider the the partnership now or I, I don't know if it's a partnership or if it's a if it's a buying out but the fact that marvel actually has the rights to, to fox again right going back to wandavision and why we saw um homeboy quicksilver. the quicksilver that that appeared on the show and and all of the nods that they made with that um Ryan Reynolds now and, and Deadpool mm-hmm. is officially now part of the MCU so that he's he's a big star in his own right which his name will probably pop up again later on in, in, why do you in think another they, conversation.
0: They've, why do you think they've waited on that? I feel like they should have already like announced something. Cuz I mean, I was I was never on the Deadpool bandwagon but I understand from a business standpoint how much money that made and yeah, how how great of a casting it was that they nailed on that. Um it's weird that they haven't announced anything regarding him or at least hey, Deadpool news coming up soon like don't worry fans like i'm shocked that they haven't announced anything
1: well there's some there's some news here and there that uh deadpool 3 is already i think in development or they're they're, they're doing something with deadpool 3 right but like how i noticed uh, i told you about that
0: trailer that leaked today where it was showing like all the mcu whatever. oh yeah yeah, yeah. why not throw in a picture of day hey, i'm deadpool whatever like i'm here too like just something like that to give st- the fans like
1: yeah yeah
0: like he's in it like yeah you hear the rumblings like oh there's stuff in development or whatever but Give me something official on the Marvel Twitter page or Instagram, whatever, like a Deadpool logo or
1: something that it's coming. That could be something, I don't know, that could be maybe Fox still kind of of having a hand in things. Just kind of like how Sony still has a hand in in Spider-Man and how there was a big... But Sony owns the rights,
0: though. Fox don't own that anymore. So I'm just thinking, like, I I just think you got to build steam on it when it's hot. And, like, Deadpool 2 came out what? We're going on almost three years ago. Yeah. That's three years ago. Exactly. <laughs> and everyone's got a short attention span. Like people will forget. Like I'm not saying that,
1: you know, it won't be popular once he comes back again, but don't wait too long. Like throw something out there. How, how, how much do you, how much would you want to throw out there without it being too like overwhelming, especially with everything that's already been revealed in terms of, of Marvel's productions and not, and I'm not just talking in terms of like the cinematic, like the movies that they got coming up, but like, all of the TV shows uh that that they've announced and that that are still up and coming and the ones that the couple the few that they've already uh released you know what uh, I how, would... how much how much of that how much how much is too much basically you know what i would do if you and if you're listening disney uh
0: kevin feige i would have deadpool i would have ryan reynolds in costume i would have had him announce all of this stuff in character oh we got black widow coming out and make like a joke or whatever Thor Thor and Thun Thor, Love and Thunder, that sounds stupid. Or like, you know, just whatever like in the Deadpool character, like poking fun at itself. I would love to see Deadpool do that. And and it's not giving away too much, it's just showing that he exists there also in that world. While you still haven't you haven't announced anything for him officially, but at least you have him there, like just to announce these projects. That's what I would have done with Deadpool. Tell me that
1: that wouldn't like a lot of eyes. Or maybe like even uh I mean you could even you could even have it the way that it played out as it did and just have that trailer of like have the trailer launch the way that it did so have this original cut of it yeah, the yeah. way that way that we have it now and then do like a re-release but then having do like like ryan reynolds voicing over like yeah, doing yeah. commentary as he's that that would make sense Ooh, spider-man I no way home is venom in this like i would say stuff like that like <laughs> you know just throw a little like spider-man's just a wannabe deadpool yeah like, why just, does he
0: look like me just do shit like that like yeah, uh, back to the movies, though, real quick. So we have uh, Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternals, and then to end the year, we're getting a Spider-Man movie for Christmas, which is going to be super crazy because all the speculation has been, like, this is going to be, like, their version of Into the Spider-Verse where right. we possibly may see, you know, Toby and Andrew. Nothing's been, you know, made official, and they're not gonna. I think they're just going to leave it until, unless until we see, like, the first trailer or whatever where they may hint at it. Um if it happens, it happens. I'll be one, I be. I'll you know, throw a fist up in the air if I see, if I see Tobey Maguire. I'm still a mark for Tobey Maguire in those movies, except for maybe the last one. But, um, I know you're super excited about it. Oh, um, absolutely. Have you been following up more on it? Uh, are you keeping a close eye on what's going on? Or you kind of want to go in blind and just, you know, enjoy the movie as it is? Cause I know I did that for me for the Dark Knight trilogy and it kind of ruined it for me trying to learn every little bit about it. Right. And but I just want to if I were to go back I would just go and enjoy the experience I don't know how, how are you approaching this movie
1: I'm excited for it to the point where I'm not diving that deep into it Uh I'm just kind of letting things happen as they do so the little uh the little vignettes that they were, do, that they were teasing with, uh, Tom Holland and Zendaya and, uh, the cast just kind of like, oh, wh- why, why won't they tell us the, the title of the, the, the movie or whatever? Oh, because you're not good at keeping secrets. And then they kind of did the reveal yeah. of, of what the official title of the movie was going to be. So whatever they, they, whatever they release with that, you know, anything that, that pops up on, on the mainstream, anything that pops up on the timeline that I can, that, that I stumble across that I'll see, that's to the extent that I'll go, but I'm not, you know, I'm not, out there, crazy, trying to find any possible dirt sheet that I can to to see any kind of rumors. Mm. Um, I, I kind of want to bring this back to to the to the previous conversation with with Wandavision because I I kind of love the idea that you proposed with having having a, a two season of that show. Uh, I don't know how exactly they would have executed that, but having the the first season kind of be just going through the eras of, of the television timeline and, and having different uh, different themes until the the big reveal was that she was fabricating the whole thing with her powers. Mm-hmm. But I knew that when you were explaining it, uh, I knew that they had to have the payoff because they had to reveal who her character is and and who you know the Scarlet Witch actually is and have her actually own up to her powers. Mm-hmm. But that could have been the premise of the entire second season, and you could have uh, introduced Agatha at that point, and they could have had... A, they could have had a longer storied feud and the fighting could have been drawn out a whole lot yeah. more than it did for like one or two episodes, whatever it was. And then having the two, the two mirror visions fighting each other. Um, but I think that with the, the movies that are on the heels, uh, especially for this year in 2021, if they were going to do the, the Spider Verse theory, if they were going to have, uh, Andrew and Toby, uh, partner up with Tom in, in this, in this movie here, in this third, uh, uh, Spider Man movie. They kind of had to have capped it off WandaVision as at, at the one season because all of it was supposed to be because they was opening up the door for the obviously universe. the, the, into the, the multiverse of madness with Doctor Strange. But they could have also introduced that, that multiverse theme in this Spider Man movie. So if that's the route that they are going, because we still don't fully know anything yet then that's why they would have to cap it off at uh, at one season as opposed to spreading out spreading it out into multiple episodes, into multiple seasons. Um, I forgot why I went on this tangent. Um,
0: well, either way, um, I'm predicting this. I know we're still in a weird year with uh, box office and stuff. I, I, I know this Spider-Man movie is going to be the biggest movie of the year, like for sure. Like, bar it, none. Box office-wise, maybe the only thing close to him, might be fast nine just because of the fan base that it has and this one looks a hell of a lot more fun than the last movie um, that could be its only competition but yeah is
1: this fast f- nine fast nine is going not gonna be dual released right is it's, it's no, gonna be a, strictly into theaters
0: strictly theaters but the way you, the universal um, I guess contract or what's into their you know thing with movie theaters is that if a movie doesn't make over like 50 million or something at the box office, then it gets a shorter theatrical window and goes straight to streaming, which is why you saw like nobody while it was like semi successful didn't make like too much money. Right. Now it's available. You can buy it at home and stream it, but fast and furious is definitely going to make more than 50 million. Oh, the box for office, sure. Which means it's going to have a longer life at the theaters, meaning we get to hold it longer before it gets to, to home video. So it'll definitely have more money to make money there. Um, it's going to be interesting when it comes to.
1: Spider Man, because I don't want to do I I, I know if, it's like- if anybody out there is listening from Marvel and Disney, please do not do a dual release because you will not do that movie any justice. If well, here's the thing though, I don't know if you saw this last week, but Sony signed a deal with Disney that
0: their catalog is going to be on Disney Plus starting, I think, with I forgot which releases, but you know, you're going to be able to see the Tobey Maguire Spider Man. I think I saw that. Yeah, Marvel- I remember seeing that. Yeah, they'll be in the Marvel channel of Disney Plus. So that's like uncharted territory there. Because those movies aren't technically canon of that world until they possibly tie it in with this movie. But that's to be TBD. But, yeah, we're going to start seeing Sony movies on the Disney Plus uh, platform. I think we'll be at a better place nationwide as far as, like, vaccine and all that stuff. I think we'll be fine. I don't say everyone's going to be fully vaccinated. But I think we'll be at a point where I think we'll be at 100% theater-wise and we'll be starting to letting more people in. I think this movie will be a full on theatrical release. I don't think they'll do the double, like, premiere access on Disney+. Plus.
1: Right. Plus, I think the Sony contract probably wouldn't let them do that. I think a lot of it, too, is, is determined by what, I, I mean, Spider-Man is a bigger, bigger name that, or bigger draw than Black Widow is. For sure. But a lot of, a lot of it's gonna determine how Black Widow does with this whole dual release and, and what Marvel and Disney yeah. decide to do with that by the time December comes around.
0: And I'm also thinking in terms of marketing, it's gonna be weird how all this stuff happens now, like, I know they released the trailer for, like, Shang-Chi already, but, like, how early do you start promoting, like, Eternals and how early do you start promoting Spider-Man where they don't overlap and one, like, takes over the other? You know what I mean? Like, right. You want to put all your chips in for Shang-Chi and Eternals because they're new properties. Like, you want to get all the marketing out there. So, like, when do you think we're going to see our first trailer for Spider-Man? Like, I am I was really trying to think and gauge on that. Like, I mean, the the obvious thing would be to put it in a summer movie to put it Whereas there's a lot of, like... I would put it in front of Fast 9, like a teaser, because yeah. you know a lot of people are going to go see that movie. right? But you can also put it in front of Black Widow, but what about Eternals and everything else? Like it, it, It's just going to be like, from a marketing standpoint, I just wonder how they're going to do it now, if they're going to release three, four movies a year.
1: It, uh, w- kind of, or at least attempting to think, of, think in the mind of, of somebody who works on behalf of Disney. Uh, I like the idea of doing a teaser for for the Spider-Man movie um, and and placing it in a a big blockbuster like Fast 9. I honestly don't mind the idea of kind of doing it how they did uh, back in 2015, especially since... I don't want to say Star Wars isn't as big a thing, but there's there's nothing really star wars related cinematically that's that people are going to be getting excited for this year there's no big star wars release there's no Star Wars theme movie that's going to be released uh for years it had always been uh you know Marvel would kind of dominate the the summer and then kind of maybe have something around the fall like Thanksgiving time but December was always like December was always star wars time right um Doing something like the like a like a Monday Night Football thing, where you know oh, when yeah. the, when the football season tune in happens, and- yeah, tune in at halftime to see the official trailer of the new Spider Man movie, and that yeah. could that could launch somewhere in like as early as September, and then you have October, November, December, pre sales and and merchandising yeah. and and all that stuff. I I that's how I would do it, honestly. That's 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 something that I would yeah that's I would jump on.
0: I'm just wondering now, like. I, with Marvel so big, like, you really don't have to try with the marketing and the at least the posters because people are going to go see it regardless. Yeah. But I, I'm just wondering, like, the overshadowing and stepping over toes, like, because, like, again, I, I if they're going to put all their chips on these new franchises, like Eternals and Shang-Chi, like, you got to put in – they're all coming later in the year, like, what is it, September and then November <laughs> and then December for Spider-Man. Like, yeah. Spider Man's going to have to get some really good marketing there at some point. It's just a matter of where they're going to put it to not overshadow those other movies. Because when WandaVision was going on, you really didn't really hear much about what was going to happen in Falcon and Winter Soldier until like that finale week of WandaVision where it's like, here comes Falcon and Winter Soldier. But, but it well, was they, like, they finally did a release. But it was only like two weeks to get hyped for it. Yeah. But I know that that's the TV show. I just wonder how they're going to able to balance that with the movies. But, again, I know they, they shifted all, the, all of these releases um, because of the pandemic. Maybe moving forward, it'll be a little bit more spread out. But, like, next year, like, 2022, you got March, Doctor Strange. And then in two months in May, you have Thor, Love and Thunder. Like, fuck. Like, the windows are getting shorter. Like, who's going to be able to outshine? Not outshine, but, like, get enough spotlight on them. Right. Um, and, of course, they announced uh, titles. And this is for the audience. They announced titles for the next Black Panther movie. It's called Black Panther Wakanda Forever. That'll be out July 8th, 2022. Um, the Marvels, November 11th, 2022, which I'm going to assume is a Captain Marvel sequel. Um, I know that was part of the phase whenever Kevin Feige did his little presentation. And it's got the logo of Captain Marvel. So I'm assuming that's what it is because they're doing the Miss Marvel universe- or show. Yeah, it's coming later. See, there's more shows to come out later this year on Disney Plus too. And that one has the little S logo of the Miss Marvel show. I think there's still a Hawkeye show coming out sometime this year, I think. Uh it's it's going to get all over the place and is is it going to become a a thing where it's like too much saturation or, or are you
1: like just give it to me? Give give me all of it? Are you one of those people? Um I think I think it's I think it's going to balance itself out the way that it should. Um I think with, uh, because you're, you're, you're talking in terms of being worried if, from, from a standpoint, if, if you were, you were the head of Marvel, you, you're talking about overshadowing like the Eternals and, and, the uh, the Shang-Chi movies. I think they're, I think the, the hardcore Marvel fans and, and the hardcore, you know, stands that are out there are gonna be, they're, they're gonna find, they're gonna find a way to make it work. They're gonna be excited regardless. I think other, I think other people who are, are fans or who are very fond of Marvel, um, who have more investment in certain characters and, and more of the bigger name characters? I, I really don't think it's it's a it's a concern of overshadowing. I think they're gonna. I think regardless, even if you had it spread out, even if it wasn't compiled into every two months, there's going to be another movie and then another show and then another movie and another show. I think people are going to invest what they want to invest in. Uh, as far as just the avid the average moviegoer is is yeah. concerned, so you know the the internal the Eternals over this over a spider-man i think that somebody would probably be more excited of a spider-man overall regardless of how they market it or regardless of how the timeline plays out in terms of uh how spread out the releases are um that's just my take on it though
0: what uh, like from a a mainstream audience uh standpoint and i want you to be give me an honest answer you can you know be as truthful as you want but like Do you think there's going to become a point where it's fatigue, where it's like let's say like November comes Eternals, and the next month is Spider Man? Is it is the average fan going to be like another one of these? Like, like we just got through on like, can we have like a little break? Like, me me personally, after Infinity War, if I were the head of Disney, I would have made everyone wait three years for End Game. Oh wow, <laughs> I would have left it on that huge cliffhanger where you're like, holy shit, like what happens now? And then you don't hear anything about it for three years and then you release it and they, I think the the anticipation to me I think anticipation and build still means something but if we're get, getting these every month doesn't it kind of kill the the special specialness of it
1: a little bit from from a mainstream audience perspective if if burnout hasn't already happened because there's already been a pattern of you know one or two movies that that are released and it, it was always a pattern of Marvel and Marvel and, and Star Wars, like I said, that that have always been running the the years in terms of like big box office hits. Um like, like will we ever reach a level of endgame and forget the
0: pandemic. Let's say that didn't happen. Yeah. Are we are we gonna be able to reach an an event like as big as Endgame was if there's something coming out every month or every one or two months, it's like
1: I don't think everything I don't think anything will ever top endgame. That's that's just my honest uh honest answer to that. I think that the way that marvel crafted that storytelling and it's not just in terms of the casting and and who they got to play as as the characters as as the big original six Mm -hmm. just how very careful and calculating they were in in telling an entire 10-year story Mm -hmm. of having all of these singular movies and then turning into and they almost they almost dropped the ball when they started doing you know, too many crossovers with with the singular movies. Mm-hmm. So like when they pretty much had in Captain America Civil War, every single Avenger was in that movie. It was basically Avengers it two point five rate or something. Yeah, it 9. was basically an Avenger movie on its own, right? So they almost dropped the ball on that. But the fact that they told a ten year tangible linear coherent story uh and just made it work and then ha have, have it culminated at, at endgame I don't think there'll ever be another event or another experience as, as big as that. Even if they wanted to do like uh, a Secret Wars or like an Avengers 2 kind of kind of how they do in, in the comic books, like if they still wanted to stick with comic book adaptations, I don't think anything will be as big or will top uh, the, the endgame storyline that we got. I think the only
0: thing possible, and this is if they build it up properly, and of course this is just my opinion, you can disagree. Um, however they get the X-Men involved in all of this, but also, it's going to be who they cast, and that's why I'm saying star power. I think still matters. Let's say this was at the, let's say Disney acquired Fox during the prime run of Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. Okay. Like, holy shit! If he crossed into this now in the prime version of that character, like that's huge. Like to me, like you build up to that, or right. build up to a team up movie with that. I think that would be. I don't know if it would be as big as Endgame, but it would at least be big enough for like. Holy shit! I got something to really look forward to. It's
1: a, it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of fan service. It's a lot of things that that people want to see. That the the team ups of like Spider Man and the Fantastic Four, Spider Man and, and Wolverine, or, or Wolverine and the Fantastic Four. Even like now that we know what we have and what could potentially be on the table, like a Spider Man Deadpool movie would that would be huge. Mm-hmm. A lot of people would mark out for that, like Ryan Reynolds and, and Tom Holland Tom Holland on the same screen doing doing a movie together. I know a lot of people will mark out for that. Um, but I just but,
0: think like our expectations going to become too much. Like let's, let's, uh, drive it back home to these streaming shows. Like I know a lot of people were upset that, you know, certain reveals didn't happen. Like I know there was a lot of talk of, Oh, this is where they're going to bring in Reed Richards from the fantastic four because there was a lot of, you know, whatever Easter egg talk or whatever. And then they're let down with that. But it's like, shouldn't you be paying attention to what the story is and what they're telling with Wanda? And then if Falcon and Winter Soldier, I think there was a couple of people that were like, oh, they're going to reveal somebody big, and it ended up being the like Julia Louise dreyfus character. And it's like people are going to be expecting, like, big characters to be popping up in these shows. And I don't know. I just feel like this is why I like self-contained stories. And, I mean, I'm I'm all for the cinematic universes and people crossing over. But if everything becomes about, like, oh, is uh, whatever – Is Thor going to show up in the Loki show? Like, Hmm. I I mean, should we be always? Should fans like turn it down with that and just like try to appreciate whatever the story is they're trying to tell there? Or like, uh, are you as a fan like, are you going to be going into the Loki show expecting like, oh, I would love to see so and so show up or whatever? Or are you just going to be like, let's see what story they present and we'll deal with that?
1: Well, I think I think if we bring this around full circle, I I think that's how you kind of that's how, that's kind of how you numb or you alleviate the the possibility of a of a burnout of the b-word yeah. uh, in terms of being oversaturated with so much content in terms of of the mcu because of all of the movies and the the tv shows that are being popped out in in, in the short amount of time that they are because if you have a, a story like like wandavision or a story like falcon and the winter soldier and you you kind of dangle the carrot in in people's faces in in terms of like oh and i'm just using this as an example so let's say the loki show when it when it launches you you go through the course of watching loki uh week to week episode by episode and uh for all intents and purposes they they're kind of teasing uh i don't know I'll, I'll just say andrew garfield like they they're teasing yeah. like oh there's there's little easter eggs like oh they they referenced uh, oh they just did a uh, Dr. Kurt Connors reference. Oh, they they reference the decay rate algorithm. Like, oh, they, it's now now you're thinking like now you're itching to want to know what's gonna. And now you're because you're itching at wanting to know what the what the reveal what the payoff is going to be. Mm-hmm. You're more invested into the show as opposed. You're more focused on the show and what's going to happen than focused on it being too much and it being too much burnout. So I think that I think that the anticipation kind of outweighs the. Monotony of, of having all of this content just kind of thrown at us all at once.
0: I just, I don't want it to be like, if they're doing these shows, I I don't want it to always be about the puzzle. Like it's it's one part of a bigger story. Right. But focus, like I, I'm cool with the story they told with, with Falcon and Sam Wilson and all that. Mm-hmm. But if this breadcrumb of like the power broker, is this supposed to lead to something that's involving another storyline? Like I think they introduced Madripoor that city that they went to, that has something to do with, like, the X-Men or whatever, but, like, I feel like I don't want to be having to do homework, like, and I know Jake kind of gave me shit on this, where, like, and I'll talk about, you know, Star Wars for a bit, like, The Mandalorian, when Boba Fett showed up, in my mind, as a casual viewer, I'm not a hardcore Star Wars fan, I was like, didn't didn't he die in Return of the Jedi? Like, yeah. And Jake's like, no, didn't you read like so and so on the internet? Like, no, like I go with whatever's presented to me on the screen. Yeah. And, uh, same thing happened with like, uh, I walked into the Han Solo movie when it was in theaters. I I haven't seen it fully, but have you seen the solo movie? I have seen solo. Okay. So I walked in and then I see Darth Maul and I was like, didn't he die? And like, no, you didn't you watch the cartoon? Like, no, I didn't watch like another property or whatever. Like,
1: but that's a, that's a different story because the, because the solo movie was supposed to be pre-Phantom Menace, was it? wasn't it? No. Because he gets... Uh, isn't it like during... Wasn't that
0: said during the time frame like after... What is it? Um, Revenge of the Sith and uh, A New Hope. Isn't it kind of like during that little middle framework right there? I'm pretty sure that was the timeline. You, like- you might be right actually. I remember seeing it once, but it was a while ago. And uh, well, that was the explanation. You was like, "Oh, well, didn't you watch the Clone War show or whatever?" I was like, "No, it didn't." Like, and I don't want it to become like that with Marvel because there was some stuff that came out in Wandavision. Like, "Oh, did you notice the symbol for this?" I was like, "No, I was trying to watch the TV show." Like, I'm not there looking for every little symbol, or whatever. And I don't want it to become like homework. That's where I think you'll fatigue the audiences because if you get too far out there, like, "Oh, you didn't know this was part of the the comics," and this is back to what you were saying, like, "This is." This is not a straight up adaptation. You're you're doing it based on you gotta you gotta cater to everybody else, not just the hardcore fans. Yeah, right. you can throw in your winks in there or whatever, but if you start making all these shows about that and I don't know, I, I kinda feel like it loses its luster as opposed to throwing one out every now and then. Like, oh hey, that's a Wolverine reference and not like a little symbol to some society that's involved in a certain issue like back in the day. I don't know, I just feel like if it becomes to be, like, too much homework, then I think that's where you're going to really, like, alienate the, the mainstream audience. To that's, me, because yeah. I always want to make it more – you want to make it more inclusive. Like, right. I, I don't want it to be gatekeeping. I hate gatekeeping so much. When there's fans of people that want to learn about wrestling, I, I welcome that. As opposed to, like, no, like, you don't know my world. You don't know about, you know – whatever, Seth Rollins' journey from...
1: You if know, you go the back to WrestleMania to, X-7, yeah. they'll, they'll explain in a promo why yeah. WrestleMania 47 is the way that it is. Yeah, uh, I got you. so I, I, I'm i I'm a fan for that, and I feel like
0: with the Marvel stuff, it starts to become gatekeeping, especially when some fans do ask questions, and they'll be like, well, you didn't know this? Like, no. So I got a lot of shit that, for that, for the Star Wars stuff, and, well, damn, I, did, I didn't know about Boba Fett, or whatever, that he had his own little storyline in books or whatever outside of the movies like i just i don't know i feel like it's it's heading down that route a little bit but not too much yet but
1: i i i, I fear where it's going a little bit a little bit uh, but i think star wars is a is a different is a different monster uh as opposed to to marvel and comic books because there's a lot of i i, I don't know if there's the mythology of star wars in terms of like everything that they've done in the past not just movies but they because they've done several uh adaptations of, of cartoons and, and spin-off tv shows and because there have been uh books that have been written and because of all you know there, there's multiple platforms like video games too that, right, right. That, that you can kind of play into marvel has just solely been based off of comic books and then they had movie adaptations and the, mm. and the movies were just that they were adaptations they weren't like like exact replicas of like i said earlier they're not taking the comic book and putting it into a movie they're they're basing it off of the comic books um and that's really the only thing that they have to go off of there marvel never really did anything in terms of like at least if if memory serves me correctly, even when they started making movies with the original Tobey Maguire series. And when they started making the X-Men movies with Hugh Jackman, I don't remember there being too many Marvel based TV shows that were going on, on those times that that you kind of had to pay attention to or or to, to follow up with. I know that Spider-Man has had several different cartoons on, on several, several different children's networks, but they were kind of just their own standalone series that had absolutely nothing to do with, uh, uh, as of right of- now, it has nothing to do with the movie universe unless they want to tie that in somehow if they're going to try to make that work. Like, I don't know, one of the original Spider-Man shows that uh, Drake, uh, not not hip-hop Drake, but like Drake Bell, the uh, the actor and singer, he, he he did one of the voiceovers. So if they try to, to – that was more, one of the more recent car- cartoons that I remember if they were trying to make that work. So the mythology of Star Wars – they had a whole lot of multiple, they had a lot more platforms that they were building off of, mm-hmm. uh, outside of just the movies. So it would, it's a lot more to keep up with in terms of, of what the content that they produce. Mm. Marvel is just a matter of, and again, we haven't seen it yet, but so far all we've seen with Marvel is if they're doing a lot of teasers and a lot of is, Easter eggs, it's not so much tailored to like all of the, the one off or lesser known characters. It's more so the, the, the bigger characters that a larger audience and a larger group of people, a uh, group of people know.
2: Cool.
0: All right. Well, that's a lot of talk we've done there on the draft and uh, on the MCU. I feel like we've got a pretty good flow here going. So if you want to transition into mortal combat already, we can do that. Or if you want to take a quick break, we can do that as well. I'm, I'm game for either or this is your show. All, all right, I'll let you. Let's I'll let let's keep you... going. we got a good flow here. Let's, uh, let's get to the main event folks. I know it's taken us a while, had a lot of stuff to cover, but now this is what we really brought you all in the podcast for. It's Mortal Kombat time, folks. Uh, we're going to get into it here. We're going to lead up to it. So the new movie just came out two weeks ago. Already number two at the box office. Lost a Demon Slayer this past weekend. So it had a nice one-week run. Um, I want to talk to you, Brandon, real quickly, your history with Mortal Kombat and your first interactions with, A, the original movie and the video game.
1: So I have been a very big Mortal Kombat fan since day one. Uh, I was about the age of... Probably as young as three years old. Oh wow! And uh, it's it's funny because at what point do at what point do these podcasts that I'm on start to turn into therapy sessions? Because <laughs> I feel like every time I'm telling a history of something like oh, Mortal Kombat or wrestling, like yeah, I was a three or four and I was watching grown men in tights beat each other up and hit <laughs> each other with chairs. And I was even younger when I was watching these animations of like these ninjas decapitating each other and, and ripping their spines out, like. <laughs> I'm starting, starting to see all of the the issues come to light here, but no, I, uh, my uncle uh, had I want to say he was he was playing number Mortal Kombat number two for the Sega Genesis, and I just happened to he had like a little game area at my grandparents' house, and he was playing, and I just happened to, to stumble across and walk by, and I thought it, it just caught my attention because it's it's flashy, it's mm-hmm. it's violent, it's 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 animated, so it's cartoony, and of course children are. are you know, they, they're typically more gravitational towards the animated stuff. So that that caught my attention. And then not too long after, about the age of four or five, is when I discovered that they actually had made a movie. Um, fun fact, actually, so this, this movie itself, the 1995 Mortal Kombat, or... No, I actually think Mortal Kombat became teenage Mut- before Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to the Secret of the Ooze, which actually had just passed its its thirtieth anniversary this year. Right. I had watched Mortal Kombat before that movie. That these movies were the gateway for me. That kind of transitioned me out of just like the animated Disney movies and all of the cartoon children's movies. Okay. And they kind of op- they were kind of the gateway and opened the door for me uh, into the genres of like the fantasy sci-fi actiony kind of genres uh they opened the door for me for like being a fan of what we had just been talking about for the past however many minutes of the of the marvel movies and then superhero stuff and all that so uh these this was actually the movie that that opened the door for me for terminator 2 judgment day um nice, nice. and it wasn't uh I, I well, I, I say this now because my my mind thinks a little bit differently because I'm older and wiser. But back then, watching it as a kid, I thought, "Oh my god, this is a great movie. This is so fantastic." So mm-hmm. uh that movie did no wrong for me as a kid, and and that translated uh into me as as a young adult now, and it still holds up, in, in my opinion, several decades later. So yeah, there's some properties where
0: you watch as a kid and you're like this is the greatest thing ever, and then you watch it back as an adult, and you're like. No, that was, that was awful. This is
1: what I liked? Wow.
0: But there, there's some stuff that, like, you know it's bad, but it's still, like, cheesy and, like, so fun and entertaining to watch. Um, I mean, they're all popcorn movies, but, you know, when we say popcorn movies, it's just one that you could just sit back and not really, like, think about it. So th- this movie came out in, what, 1995, I believe? Correct. 95, 96, around there. Um, I remember seeing this one at a – I'm from Laredo, Texas, so I remember – Seeing this, we used to have a movie theater in the mall, and I know they have one there now, but there used to be this old movie theater that they had there in the Mall del Norte. Uh, sorry, I sounded a little white there. It's actually Mall del Norte. Um, so they had, to, I, I remember seeing it there, uh, I believe it had to have been opening weekend or week, and it was so fun. I, and before, I, I gotta preface this, I know there's some marks and geeks on Facebook that want to come after me thinking like that I'm, t- a total hater on mortal kombat and even somebody put out trying to catch me but i didn't fall for the bait where they said like you have no business talking about mortal kombat if you never played this and it was like a picture of the video game Mm. like the first iterations i remember that folks i had a sega genesis growing up mortal kombat was one of the games that i had along with street fighter and car racing games those are the stuff i was really into i was a fan of mortal kombat growing up i know the characters johnny cage Jack, Sonya, Liu Kang, Goro—I knew about all these characters. So, yeah, um, I was a little bit um, kind of underwhelmed when I heard that they were remaking it because I thought they did a fine enough job with the original. And I know they remake everything these days, um, but yeah, back to the the 1995 version. And both you and I did a, a three movie marathon on this, and we survived annihilation. I, I don't know how we. We survived that, especially oh my God. the second ones, but let's stick with the first one first. Um, right off the bat, the way that movie starts right away with the theme song. Right. That's so iconic. The, that's one of the biggest, uh, pop culture songs, not only of the late nineties. I think it still, it still resonates today. Like you put it on and it's like, yeah, it pumps the shit out of you. Uh, look it up on Spotify or Apple Music. The I'm Immortals.
1: Sure Mortal Kombat theme.
0: Yeah. So that starts off the movie. You get the logo, you get introduced to these characters real quick. And we're off to the races. Like the movie, wastes no time ex- explaining what it is and what they're doing in this movie. Uh, the acting is not the best, but you have to expect that in some movies where you go in and you know the the acting's not going to be uh, top notch. But it's entertaining as shit. The characters have one liners. Uh, they get serious where they need to be. Um, I don't know what, what were your thoughts rewatching uh, the 1995 version in this marathon that you
2: did.
1: So watching the re, uh, rewatching the 1995 version uh, still still stands the test of time, as I had previously stated. Uh, I, I went a little I went into it a little more critical uh, because of you know how my how my brain works now and, and just kind of comparing it to comparing it to the video game and comparing it to the modern day version, uh, which is the one that we have now that just got released. Uh, because I was kind of the the mindset that i went into it is i i kind of wanted to see reasons why people didn't resonate so well with this current one and see if i can kind of find those things in in this movie and there there were some similarities um yeah the the acting was kind of hit or miss from from time to time but um the the motives behind each character was short, sweet, and to the point you didn't really need to drag anything out for for too long. Like each character had a, a reason for for being there and for for doing what they were doing, and then of course everything kind of culminated into the to the big ensemble reveal of like, oh yeah, this is this is Mortal Kombat, this is the tournament, this is the the tenth tournament after nine outworld victories, and this is now the the premise of the movie. Everything beyond that is just a matter of kind, of, like I said, kind of nitpicking details here or there. And a lot of it kind of, a lot of it kind of has to do with me just being, as much as I hate to admit it, being one of those toxic fans that wants to see how much of it mm-hmm. relates to the video game, mm-hmm. um, and how much of it is is just Hollywood, you know, doing its own rendition of telling the Mortal Kombat story. Right. I kind of, I kind of, I kind of went in wearing two hats, for lack of a better term, when when I watched it.
0: I um, I uh I enjoyed looking back on like how the characters were dressed like you look I mean I think they overdid it a little bit with the Sub-Zero and the Scorpion in the new version where like okay, they kind of made it too Batman Begins-ish with the armor and stuff like that where I was like uh, okay I guess but you go back to the 1995 version and you're like man they look straight out of like just what like they a look geek. like in the video. yeah. but it looked like a Halloween costume more right. than like an actual like movie set like theatrical, like, version of what this should look like. But I still was able to differentiate the characters and stuff like that. The Scorpion, the way they look in the new one with the hood and mm-hmm. and all that, like, I I get it, and, and they're trying to be more diverse and all that stuff. I'm cool with that. But why couldn't you have him, like, be, like, the way he was in the video game? Like, I don't know if it's, again, I'm not a hardcore gamer, so I don't know if it's more in line with how that Scorpion character is in these newer games, but the way I remember Scorpion and Sub Zero were like identical to one another, at least in the in the earlier versions of the game. Um, so I was for the the old version costumes in the nineteen ninety five one. What, what about what were you?
1: They so yeah that that kind of tailors into uh, as the years progress. Um, they kind of take the the concept of the of the the ninja characters and how right. they look and they and they kind of expand on them a little bit. So the Sub Zero and Scorpion characters specifically transition from just looking like a like like one of your your typical ninja characters with with different colors with the yellow Mm -hmm. and blue schemes and they kind of they kind of put more of like a like a traditional japanese armor style twist to it as Mm -hmm. as the games progressed and and that also plays in part of the fact of kind of how how digital enhancement and graphics kind of play a role in this Mm -hmm. as well because 1990s i mean if you remember the the graphics of, of a sega genesis as opposed to the graphics of a playstation 5 that we have yeah, nowadays yeah. you can kind of get away with with adding a lot more detail to their to their designs to their armors and their suits and and yeah as as the video as the years progress in the video games scorpion does kind of take more of a he, he kind of does wear like hooded armor hooded, okay. so so to speak and then sub-zero is kind of the same question as well sub-zero actually like it's not even so much like a like a one piece kind of a, like a ninja gi type of thing Sub-Zero at 1.1 of the game one of the later games is wearing like a full on like helmet okay and then and then he has like his his armor piece his his shoulder and, and and chest pieces uh and then of course the 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 ninja style pants as well
0: Now now what about in terms of like Scorpion in the 1995 version where the freaking thing comes out of his hand I know the graphics are bad but that I excuse because of the year that it was right um but as opposed to the new one where it's like a more of a chain like hook thing like to like it throws that it's not really like
1: uh, again that's I, I know it's a
0: an adapt adaptation throughout yeah. the time but I don't know I kind of like that aspect of it coming out of the hand and like or exploding out of the hand and like it grips you like get over here mm-hmm. or
1: whatever as opposed to it just being a chain like I don't know this that, that an, didn't sit well with me this isn't exactly gonna be the best parallel but uh the example that I'm gonna hold to that is well first of all it's always been uh and this is kind of like stepping out of the stepping out of the video game mark and kind of just stepping into the role of being a casual viewer watching this as Hollywood's adaptation to the movie. Um because he's a high because the story behind Scorpion Hanzo Hasashi was one of the highest trained and, and highly skilled uh masters, grandmasters of of the Ninja Clan of the Shira Ryu. So he was masterfully skilled in the art of hand-to-hand combat, but then also he had his katana, which is his swords, mm. and then he also had the kunai, and the kunai was typically attached to some sort of rope or chain, and then that's what he would use to to throw and, and catch mm. people in the games. This is kind of like Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, oh, with where web? Spider-Man has organic web shooters, which... Spider-Man's only powers were his heightened sense of ability, his super strength, his agility, and the ability to climb on walls. But the web shooters were something that he produced on his own. But they gave Tubby Maguire uh, they gave him organic web shooters that he shot out of his out of his wrist. Yeah. That one kind, that one they can make work because I mean it's something so simple as just shooting a web. And plus, he's shooting webs out of a costume anyway. It's not like Peter Parker just. You didn't get a whole lot of scenes. There were a couple in the movie where he, he shot webs, obviously, when he was at school with his fight with Flash Thompson. But yeah, yeah. having a, having like this snake coming out of the hand, it, yeah, that didn't really why that, not? That I didn't mean, sit right I with mean, me. You're
0: getting wild and wacky. The whole concept of Mortal Kombat is wacky and ridiculous. to begin. With. So oh, I why I keep that? This is where I say the movie gets to be too serious for its own good. It's like, okay, you're trying to Batman Begins it and be more like, uh, what is it? Uh... Just, you know, down-to-earth, more, you know... Trying to make it more... You're trying to make it more realistic. relatable. Yeah, realistic. And I'm like, no, it, this is kind of sci-fi, like, just weird uh, magic and wizards and that type of stuff. Like, fuck it, get it, have a little snake come out of the hand again. Like, you could, the gra- imagine the graphics you could do on that now. Like, that'd look pretty sick. You can even have blood spoon spl- spl- out of it. For those of you hardcores that need everything to be rated R for it to be good... FY folks, the 1995 version is PG-13, and I think it's, it's so just good. it's just as entertaining. Violence to me has never dictated whether a a movie is good or not. Like Logan, for all intents and purposes, was not good because it was rated R. It was good because it had a fucking great story in it. Like that's just that's just how it works. The violence just is a uh, how do you call it? It's just icing on the cake. It's not what makes or breaks a, a good movie. So, just want to throw that out there. I'm always a fan of a movie no matter regardless of what rating it is um so yeah back back to the 95 version um in my rewatch i enjoyed johnny cage too uh
1: they did good with johnny cage's character and i i I don't think i mean we're, we're talking about the mid early 90s here so i'm super young uh I'm super young when this movie made its theatrical debut and I'm still super young when I finally got around to watching it on on video. I watched it on the original VH, uh, VHS. Um I can't really think back to a time in that era uh in terms of like casting, who they could have casted at that time that would have been a better uh Johnny Cage. I think the the guy that they got for it did a pretty mm-hmm. good job of of holding the the mantle.
0: If you're if you're like casting like movie stars, let's say you want to make this the biggest thing possible. You'd get someone like a Tom Cruise in that role that could play the cocky actor. Like, you know, that's, that's easy casting. Yeah. But who they got for that role, like, it worked. And, uh, my favorite scene of him is when they're, who's Goro beating up that they're all cheering on? It's him, Sonya, and Luke Kang. Oh, it's Art, Art Lee. Art Lee. Yeah. And they all do the, nah! and it's like, it's so, <laughs> so cheesy and over the top, but it works whenever a uh, Goro kills that character and they're all reacting to it. Like, Johnny Cage lets out the most late, like, no, he's screaming. But it works for the movie. It's it's uh it's over the top and cheesy. The guy fucking does a split and punches Goro in the nuts. Like that's all I need. This is fucking. They give me they give me the fights that you want. Um, they play the music. They play the fucking theme song throughout that movie, which is a big part of it and a big fail of this new one. They just didn't re incorporate that song. Adding that song would have made it
1: like at least ten times more better. You would have gotten a, a bigger pop and and not not just the song itself but just that movie the soundtrack for that movie in general was incredible. Every every song from the main theme song to like when they were introducing Goro to the fight scene with Reptile when they were fighting when Luke Kang was fighting him in Outworld. Yeah. That one was that one was off the top. That one was pretty good. Yeah. Um
0: I know we've been correlating between the 95 and the 2021 version but we have to talk a little bit about, uh, the, the middle ground and that's, oh, uh, Annihilation, which came out, I think, a year later, theatrically. Two years or two years two later? Two years
1: later. I think, uh, Annihilation came out in 97. Okay.
0: So all I remember about Annihilation from when I was growing up, we used to have direct TV in my house and whenever movies would come out, they used to come out on pay-per-view channels and you'd always get like a five, six minute preview. Right. And then it would black out and you'd have to purchase it. So you'd always see, like, the first couple of minutes of the movie. I was like, oh, cool, Mortal Kombat Annihilation. I never saw it in the theater. Let's see what's up here. And the minute they killed Johnny Cage in the first few minutes of that movie, I'm like,
2: "Ah!" That
0: was my favorite character, FYI. I'm like, I don't want to watch this. And I just never really bothered with the movie. And I know it's had a bad reputation throughout the years, but I never saw it with my own eyes, the full movie, until this marathon that I just did. Holy shit. Just The movie just did not get any better from that moment on. So when they kill off Johnny Cage, so that immediately puts me in a dire mood. And then the fucking villain opens his mouth and he,
2: and he talks like this. And I,
0: and I was like, I'm supposed to take this guy... Serious like they showed him at the end of the first movie which is a badass little reveal. Oh my god. And and then he opens his mouth in the second movie and I'm like this fucking geek. Like uh like how am I supposed to take him serious at all? And then it goes into all this weird shit including these characters spinning around in a cave in a ball like a hamster like ball me and Brandon laughed a lot about this off air. Um yeah, and the movie just completely falls off the rails. Um Sub-Zero's a face. Literally, you see his face, and he is a good guy in this movie, right? As or is it the same guy? Or what was going? On? Explain this movie to me, Brandon, as best oh. as you can, because
1: I fell apart with it really fast. S- so my my history with this movie before I get started is just <laughs> I act so 100 percent honest here. I didn't actually even know that the sequel was a thing. <laughs> I would by the time uh, I was probably I, I was probably. Somewhere in high school, I think, by the time I, I actually realized, like, holy crap, they made a sequel to the, the original Mortal Kombat movie because all I thought – all I've ever known was there was the one Mortal Kombat movie that I, that I had saw that I've – you know, I had the VHS as a kid and then I repurchased it when they reformatted it to DVD and I would watch it, like, again and again and again and again. Uh, and then, of course, I was a big fan of the video games, so I played all of the video games growing up uh, throughout the generations of, of different consoles. So I was already – well, older and I knew better, um, so to speak, I guess, uh, as, as a teenager when I finally like, Oh, well, they have a, a sequel to this movie. And it was like, it was like five bucks at Walmart. So I'm like, why not? So I purchased it. And my God, just. As you, as you had stated, uh, I, I mean, the, the opening, the opening, they, they, they started off with the same graphic as the original. Yeah. Where it was, was the theme music. And it everything. was, it was the theme music. And it was, it was like, it wasn't very grainy. It wasn't very over the, over the top digitally. Like it was super clean and super sleek. Like the flames going in out of the, yeah, of the yeah. dragon logo. And then it just, it, it kind of came around full circle. And then the, the letters started, you know, slicing through the screen. <laughs> and, then it, and then it, and then it, and then it, and then it was Mortal Kombat we're not even like a minute into the movie yet and then it and then the the letters switch and then it and then it turns into annihilation and the the way that the font looks for (laughs) annihilation is just so animated you're just like wait a minute what just happened it was like a complete 180 of what you had it's like it was was so serious and now that the annihilation logo or the annihilation title just looks super animated right off the bat Johnny Johnny Cage is a completely different person. Sonya Blade is a com- we don't even we didn't even get Bridget Wilson back as as Sonya Blade. Sonya Blade is a completely different actress. Raiden is a completely different actor. Oh. The only the only people that they brought back the originals was uh, Liu Kang and Princess Katana. Yeah. And the opening sequence, as you had said, this this guy that he he's actually. Shao Kahn is essentially for for those of you who aren't very familiar with the Mortal Kombat uh, mythology imagine like basically just imagine Thanos for the Mortal Kombat universe that's who Shao Kahn is supposed to be and you got this super goofy, very animated character that's that's talking. Like, his, his voice is fluctuating, like he's hitting puberty, and he's trying to be serious. And then you have the sky opening up, and you have these people falling from the sky and, and doing ridiculous flips over stuff. And the opening fight sequence was so absurd. And I, when when I did the rewatch of it last night, I have never. I mean, if you enjoyed this movie. I've I've never been one to, to say like don't enjoy what you enjoy. Like if you enjoy it, more power to you. Like I've always been one that wants to give everything the benefit of the doubt. Um and I have never said this for anything else in my life but after watching the first movie, I started the first movie around 6.30. So it ended around 8 o'clock-ish. Mm-hmm. And then I started the second movie at like 8.15. By 8.30, I was already done. <laughs> By 8.30, I was already so done with the movie. And I realized I still had well over an hour to go. And I'm like, how am I going to get through this? This is so awful. The The CGI, the the special effects were so... And, and when you compare it to the first movie, like the first movie did just fine. And we're we're two years into the future. You would think that things would get better over time. Like no, they didn't. Uh, shout out to uh, shout out to my good friend Josh Aguilar. Josh Aguilar and I had actually had had been interacting uh, with this on Twitter. He he said verbatim. He's like he even admits he's like was it cheesy? Yes. Were the special effects shitty? Yes. But you can't deny the fight scenes. I'm like, Yes I can. They are some of the most absurd fight scenes I have ever seen in anything ever. There's um so getting so it's actually perfect transition. So getting to the point where Sub Zero reveals himself so and, and they even like Liu Kang even brings it up in the movie. He's like, Didn't I kill you in the last movie? <laughs> That's actually that's actually supposed to happen. That's actually on par with the video game. Mm-hmm. Well, kind of on par with the video game. So the original Sub-Zero does die mm-hmm. in the video game because Scorpion actually is supposed to be the one that kills him. Right. Uh, and then the part of their clan, it's, it's a rivalry ninja clan. It's the Lin Kuei that Sub-Zero is a part of. So part of that clan, he has a brother that takes up the mantle of Sub-Zero. Yeah. So that's actually, there's actually a little bit of of parallel there that actually makes a little bit of sense and through and again throughout the history of the video games to this new sub-zero actually does take his mask off like you there actually is a playable character where you have sub-zero just bare face no Yeah, yeah, yeah. um and then he he even has a little scar but holy shit that whole that that's the that's where i drew the line that whole scene right there was I just wanted to turn the whole movie off and not even finish watching it.
0: You haven't even gotten to the scorpion part yet. That is the scorpion part. Like he, the
1: scorpions about scorpions about to reveal himself. So basically, there, there's an invasion happening of Earth from Outworld because they lost the tournament, but they can't. You know, they obviously can't take the loss. They they want to. They want to conquer by any means necessary. So you have all of these other fighters that are that are you know kind of teleporting over, and yeah. Uh, Liu Kang and Princess Katana had just got off of this this fast fast pass travel system where it's like a giant hamster ball and they're rolling through like the nethers of the earth like they're underground just kind of because for whatever reason they can't justify teleportation like you, you have to do something to to be able to, to teleport from one side of the world to another so these ridiculous hamster ball things are, are the catharsis Good that God. it came to now we're getting to a scene where uh smoke one another iconic mortal Kombat character he's already been cyberized he's he's turned into a robot it's robot smoke and they're they're dealing with him Liu kang is fighting him um the fight sequence again going back to the fight sequences so there's a point where the the chest piece on smoke kind of opens up and he's about to launch a missile and when he launches the missile Liu kang does one of the most ridiculous backflips out of the way that it when you watch it it's like what what in the world just happened? The special <laughs> effects are so absurd. <laughs> it was so ridiculous to watch. And then after that point is when, and you might actually like this too, because Scorpion shows up and he not only has one, he has two, he has twin snakes coming out of his hand. So he has the, he still has the snake coming out of his hand, but he's got two snakes that grapple oh, him onto the, onto the bridge. Now he's fighting Sub-Zero. Then he teleports in one of, possibly one of the greatest lines of dialogue in cinematic history that does not represent scorpion well as a character at all teleports behind katana grabs her jumps into another portal and screams in like a in like a scorpion-esque voice suckers and it just like disappears (laughs) it's like And we're Again we're only 20 minutes Into the movie we still have A good solid hour to pass
0: I'm not even going to try to act professional For this movie and as far as my homework I probably fell asleep around this time And then we can fast forward through the rest of it doesn't matter But the moment I woke up I thought I was on the I thought I was like in the early 2000s On the sci-fi channel You know where those super B movies With the worst digital effects you could ever see and I see these like two dragons fighting, and it's the worst CGI I've ever seen in my life. I have a seventy-five inch uh, Samsung four K TV. Usually tries to upscale everything. I'm all for the upscale to Blu-ray four K. You know, I don't even think DVDs should exist anymore, just because when I put it on, it looks bad. This is a movie that you should watch either in that version or VHS, because holy shit. Was this the worst fucking thing I've ever seen? Like it didn't even look like, it wasn't even good computer graphics. It looked straight out of like, I edited this movie like with no experience. Like that's what it was. Oh man, talk talk to me movie, about that oracle. movie.
1: Movie maker on the movie maker on the Mac. Yeah. Just just throw in a. I made an it on a movie on my iPhone. <laughs> on the iPhone, just throw in a, a, a picture of a dragon and just have him move around, and, and that's essentially what it was exactly. So leading up to that, so we, we leave that scene. Sonia has to reconvene with Jax, and Jax at this point has his metal arms, which is uh, synonymous and, and iconic to the Jax character. The difference being is the way that they explained it in this movie was Jax was like, oh, I, I wanted a way to to make myself better and I wanted to find a competitive edge to myself, so I formulated this state-of-the-art technology to, to put these robot arms on myself. <laughs> uh, the The 2021 version actually got it right, so Jax was actually in a fight with a supernatural being. It wasn't Sub-Zero per se. It was another one of the ninja characters, Ermac, that he was fighting. Either way, the the concept is still the same. His human arms got blown off or ripped off, <laughs> and they had they had no other choice. They had to replace him with his cybernetic arms, which is how he has them, you know, now or or in the video games. In this movie they, they explained it as, Oh yeah, I just I just wanted to be a better me, so I, I made the decision to put the robot arms on myself and, and Sonya's like, Okay, we gotta go. Uh before they do that they're Don't like they in- make him into a
0: they make him into like a super geek in like the first few minutes when you see him with the arms and I think the first fight he has with somebody's like, can we talk about
1: this? It's like, bro, you have two fucking metal arms. Beat the shit out of this guy. What do you? It, it was another. It was one of the. It was another one of the robot characters, Cyrax, that they because like they were in a laboratory facility because uh or they yeah they were like in a in a lab on a on a military base because Sonya had to to again hamster ball herself to the other side of the world to to go and find him. <laughs> Listen um, to that sentence you just re
0: re say that sentence. You I'm,
1: just I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you all marinate with that a little bit, <laughs> and then I'm, I'll, I'll restate it. So oh man. <laughs> so they're on a military base they're on a mil- they're in a laboratory on a military installation because sonya needed to reconvene with jacks it, and it wasn't and it wasn't like there was no build-up to it at all whatsoever it was just like everybody was like okay you need to go here uh lou you and katana go here and and raiden's kind of like he's he's taking point he's kind of coordinating everybody lou you and katana go here and then for no reason at all whatsoever, Sonya, you need to come with me. We need to you need to reconvene with you need to go find Jax. You need to reconvene with him. Like like if nobody knew a single thing about Mortal Kombat ever, you'd be like, "Who the hell is Jax? Like wh- where did this guy come into play? Like why should I care about him?" So in order to reconvene with him on this military base, she had to hamster ball herself from one side of the world <laughs> to the other to get to where he's at. Oh, lord. And then they then they go through this battle of um Then they go through this battle with Cyrax and there was like a plot point or something uh, where they fight Cyrax and he's laying on the ground and he has like a little – he has like a little dragon emblem kind of like almost similar to the one today except the way that they explained it in this movie was the dragon symbol was only something that could be stowed upon you by a god or by an elder god. Uh, And so whenever somebody got into a fight and lost, this this logo would – again in the worst possible cgi graphics ever would turn into like a a mini real life dragon and then like it wouldn't burst into flames it wouldn't burst into ashes it did like this weird futuristic like teleport just disappeared out of nowhere (laughs) and and you thought and you thought uh you thought jack sounded like a geek immediately after that whole uh exchange happened there's like a little there's like a little thing on the robot on Cyrax' uh, chest and it's like a little uh it's like a dial with lights that are lighting up and Sonya goes they they're just looking at it like please tell me that's not what I think it is and Jack's is like oh we better run and it, it turns out to be like he he at like a self destruct <laughs> sequence and he blows up the whole building like oh
0: yeah jeez oh this movie i can't believe we spent so much already on annihilation um let's get to the new movie um I guess, talk to me about the things that you did like about it and if there's stuff that you
1: didn't like. Or, or, first, overall, did you like the movie? So, I, um, yesterday when I did my rewatch, it was my second time going through watching it. And, uh, actually, funny enough, I had actually spent yesterday afternoon with my aunt and uncle. I visited them to have some lunch. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, my uncle being the guy that was kind of the, the person that introduced me into this universe to begin with because of playing the video game. Um, he had the same mindset that I did. We both went into it the first watch with similar expectations of what we thought it was going to be. And again, this is because we were kind of – and Devon kind of thought of it the same way too because we all thought we wanted there to be so much connection to the video game. Um, after I watched it the first – so after I watched it the first time is when I got onto Facebook and that's when I started seeing all of your posts and you were like, hey – not everything has to be about, you know, all of these comic book and video game adaptations don't have to be like straight parallels to the actual other pieces of media. Like this is, and it kind of, it kind of put me in a different mindset. I said, you know what? This is actually, this is somebody out there had a dream. They followed it. And this is their version of what telling the Mortal Kombat story would be. Mm. It's not. Ex- it's not an exact replica of the video. If you wanted to watch the video game in movie form, I mean, you could just go onto YouTube and you could actually. They they take the video games and all of the cutscenes and they just kind of clip them together and you can just watch them. Con- watch they're the like they're about an hour, or two hours long. You could just watch the story of the video game. If you wanted to watch a straight video game adaptation, hmm. um, this would be this. This would be kind of like if. Uh, if Daniel Tucker wanted to make his own telling of like a Spider-Man or a Batman movie, but it's something completely different than watching Peter Parker get bit by a radioactive spider or watching Bruce Wayne's parents die. It's like, Oh, that's not, that's not how it's supposed to be. It's like, well, this is, this is Daniel. This is Daniel Tucker's version. Like this is, this is what he pursued his dream to do. He, he had a creative mind and obviously it was good enough that somebody gave him the green light for it. They gave him a budget and he was able to, He was able to to make it happen and put it on a big screen.
0: Also, art's always open for interpretation. Exactly. You can always do a different version of Batman, Iron Man, you know, whatever character you want. You can always put your own spin and flavor on it. That's That's what's great about art. Like, it's never just one set thing. Or, this is the only way they do, you can do Scorpion or whatever. And yeah, I get the whole, the costume stuff. I'm just talking about a personal preference, but I do understand completely what you're saying.
1: So when I, when I, after watching it the first time, I thought, holy crap, what did they, what have they done? And I gave it like a five or six out of 10. Mm. And then when I went into it with a, with a completely different mindset, I was like, okay, now that I have to, now that I know what I'm getting into and now, now that I just have to accept it for what it is, it's still roughly about a six, six out of 10 for me. Um, and there, there were some things that, that they did very well. Uh, they, the, the director did a lot of his fan service. So, uh, he, he put a lot of Easter eggs in there. Um, as far as like the, the Shao Kahn character getting revealed, uh, they threw in, uh, little Easter eggs of like these little pieces, like the, the, uh, the pendant that Kano tries to steal in the, the mm-hmm. Raiden's temple. That's a uh, Shinnok's amulet. Shinnok is one of the, uh, like one of the, the other elder God characters in the video games, they had a uh, Princess Kitana's fan uh, that they kind of flashed by. Um, it's not it. It's it has nothing to do with the tournament, but I'm not too upset with that because yeah, it was leading up to like oh, there's pray tell there's there's a legend of a tournament and Outworld has already won nine and we need to kind of defend uh kind of defend the Earth on the tenth tournament, otherwise we're gonna get taken over by these by these evil spirits. Um. And I kind of like the way that they, I kind of like the telling of Shang Tsung's bad guy character in this movie because that's a very bad guy thing to do where they're having that conversation and, and, uh, it's him and Melina. And he goes, she goes, what if the elder gods, you know, find out that we're trying to, you know, that we're trying to manipulate the, the rules a little bit? He goes, and he straight up says, like, we didn't get here by playing by the rules. And it's kind of yeah. like that, that's, that's, a, you know, that's a very understandable bad guy thing to do. Um, the the fight sequences between scorpion and sub-zero paid off they did that very well uh in both in both times the the beginning and then spoiler at the end of the movie they, they they reconvene and they fight again um they they represented sonya's character very well uh they casted kung lao very well Liu kang was also very well done uh in terms of casting and how they how their characters were portrayed in the movie very spot on um things that i didn't like were i didn't understand sub-zero's motive for being a bad guy Mm -hmm. like sub-zero his story has always been he's he he serves only to his clan to the to the ninja clan of the lin kuei so when the lin kuei are represented in the tournament they're following their grandmaster's orders of you know shang sung obviously invited them and so they have they have different motives to to do different things this one was just kind of like he was just kind of evil for no reason like yeah he fought with scorpion in his bloodline but that's because that's that's the natural history of their characters like they're they're natural enemies um but then he's just kind of a bad guy for no reason and they, they didn't really explain it on that the only thing that i could see make sense is because, and again, this is me putting my hat back on of, you know, connecting it to the video games. Is the original Bihan? Bihan is the original Sub Zero. Uh, he fights in the tournament. Scorpion actually ends up killing him. And that spawns a, a different character known as Noob, uh, which is a totally different character that gets resurrected by another big name character of the video game, Quan Chi who's uh, another one of those evil sorcerer types but he's not an outworld character he comes from another realm ner- known as the Nether Realm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that the story is supposed to go is uh, Sub-Zero fights in the tournament, Bihan fights in the tournament against the Nether Realm and he actually bests Quan Chi in combat uh, and he you know he keeps the the Nether Realm from winning so Quan Chi gets revenge by disguising himself as sub-zero going into the the shirai ryu temple killing the entire shirai ryu and then killing scorpion's family and then killing scorpion yeah, yeah. but then he resurrects scorpion in the nether realm or he kills ha- oh, excuse me he kills Hanzo Hisashi, let me back up. He kills Hanzo Hisashi, resurrects Hanzo Hisashi in the Nether Realm, and then that's how he becomes Scorpion. So that's how he gets all of his teleporting and, and hellfire powers what that Scorpion has. Yeah, yeah. But he's still the same ninja character with the you know hand to hand combat, the katana, and then and of course the kunai that he that he throws and catches people with. So unless in the second movie they reveal that it's not really Bihan, it was Quan Shi disguised as him the whole time. It doesn't really make sense for him to be uh, a bad guy. Yeah. Another thing that I didn't really like was they had to they had to find their special abilities, also known as their arcana.
0: Yes, I wanted to ask about that. Is that part of the Mortal Kombat mythology or the they video games? You they said? don't.
1: They don't call it an arcana.
0: Okay. Because this whole thing, like destiny or whatever, like kind of like your magical power or whatever, wasn't the whole thing about Mortal Kombat was just getting different fighters from around the world like now whenever johnny cage shows up in this next movie is he gonna have an arcana and what's gonna be his special power or whatever like is that is that what the point of
1: that is so there was no like in in the in the video game world there was no like there wasn't an actual uh factor that that people had like there wasn't a a characteristic like a like a marking that that the characters had because it was really just kind of Earth realm versus all of these other realms, and all of these other realms were supposed to be like supernatural. So everybody was supposed to have powers. Mm-hmm. As far as Kano is concerned, Kano had like he had like a a metal plate. He had kind of like a, a machine eye that was the source of his lasers. Mm-hmm. Um, Jaxo has had his robot arms. Sonya kind of had because of her character, she was always special forces, so she had like little gauntlets and and stuff that shot out the the beams. But mm-hmm. in this movie, they explain it as that's that's her her arcana. Um, <laughs> and then Johnny Cage, like, I'm just saying he's going to have
0: something now, right? He's not just uh, well.
1: Johnny Cage has like the shadow the shadow stuff, so he he throws like the like if you remember in the video games, he has like the shadow kick where he has like he he glows green when he he throws like oh, a yeah, side yeah, yeah. kick. Or he has like, he throws like a, like an energy ball, like a green energy ball. That's probably what he'll, they'll explain his arcana to be. Um, They explain it differently in the video game, but I didn't like how like Jax's, uh, Jax's arms were his arcana. Like they gave him like these scraggly, like, well, I mean. Oh, and they morphed, right? Yeah, like, like it it was once he, once he realized that he needed his strength, like they, they, (laughs) both him. And Cole Young Bebe. Uh, well, I, I call him Cole Young <laughs> Bebe because uh, yeah, I, I feel like you get that reference. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cole Young, his arcana is they both get like these... I'm not even exaggerating if you haven't seen the movie. I, I apologize for the spoilers, but they get... Their super ability is like they get the this Wakandan vibranium like nanotech suits that yeah. just kind of morph and adapt to their situations. That didn't really make much sense to me.
0: What, why do you think that Cole character was created for the movie right
1: that he was solely for the movie yes I
0: wonder what the point of that was like why would he be like the the head like he looked like he was a team leader by the end of it like he was the one and the the other characters were kind of like just there as his backup like Liu Kang instead of like let's say Liu Kang being the leader or whatever like why did they have it be this Cole character that was one of the things I didn't that that movie didn't sit well with me because of that but I don't know
1: that was, that was one of the things that I had to get past too. That was one of the things that I had to accept, uh, Hollywood, you know, kind of doing their thing with this movie was because, because it wasn't the actual tournament. Mm-hmm. So the way that they wanted to tell this story is, is, is in, in the beginning, they have like the, the little captions or the, the narrations, uh, that's like, oh, there's, uh part of the hasashi lineage or the sashi bloodline the legend has it that he's supposed to be the one to unite all of the champions and once all mm-hmm. of the champions are united for earth realm they can go on and they can fight in the tournament so he was he was part of that hasashi bloodline which for whatever reason centuries had somehow sub-zero is still alive after being a part of the 1600s when him and Hanzo Asashi were alive, mm-hmm. and and you're expecting again, this goes back to Sub Zero's character as a whole and like how he was represented and what what this movie is expecting me to believe and why I didn't like it. Um, how is he still alive? Um, unless there's com- some kind of supernatural occurrence that that's that's taking place here. Um, but yeah, him him being him being part of that bloodline and my uncle even said it too he's like I thought his arcana was going to be because they keep they kept flashing like the points in the movie where they kept flashing like Hanzo Mm -hmm. uh, like in like this hellfire kind of demonic form almost we thought that his um, his arcana wasn't going to be the suit but that he would like the spirit of Hanzo would kind of overtake him and morph into Scorpion and he would morph into Scorpion and he would be the one to fight Sub-Zero see that'd be
0: cooler as opposed to like just him being like another guy and then the whole thing with his family and him fighting Goro. that stuff was yeah weird um nothing this didn't sit well with me and you you've seen me post it on social media the whole stuff with Kano and he was throwing out one liner, one liner after one liner after one liner and like i feel like if you're trying to be like the comedic relief of the movie like it doesn't work if every line you're trying to throw is to to make somebody laugh i feel like that's you're forcing it and you're, you're try hard And Jake's like,
2: oh, no, man, that's
0: what what stole the movie. I was like, that? I said, that's your version of stealing the show. And then we have two different, like, completely viewpoints. Um, The language and the violence for me also was, like, kind of felt forced. Um, Like I said, the 95 version, like, is PG-13. And you still get the same type of, like, reaction whenever somebody dies or gets killed. Like, I don't know what's showing, like, I don't know what the splattering of blood or you know chopping somebody's head off like i don't know what that does i mean if you're a hardcore gamer i guess i get it but i don't know why that has to determine whether or not the movie's good or not um like for me this movie could have been p like for a movie theater wise this could have been pg-13 to help us with the kids like going into it like you don't it didn't need to be like super violent And, and then of course the kano stuff just threw me off
1: the Kano stuff I will agree with. Uh, I, I would have appreciated a, a one-liner here or there, but the fact that he just tried so hard the whole movie to be to be funny is not who Kano is. Like Kano is scum of the earth type of character. Like he's he's a leader of the the black black dragon army cult, um, underground weapons dealer, and, and so he's he's like major league bad, bad guy. Mm-hmm. Um, you're supposed to hate him. But in a way, it's like this movie is kind of making you want to like him because of how how funny he is until he inevitably does his, his turn. Even, even when he does his turn, he but still... You know, it's,
0: it's coming like miles ahead.
1: And he's still trying to be funny. Like, Kano wasn't that naturally funny. Like, he he wasn't always trying to be a comical character. He was always just kind of out out for himself and doing was what was best for himself and how he was going to reach the top. Um, what I will say going on to that point about the violence and uh, the blood and, and all of that stuff... That one was actually, that was one of the things that they, I feel like they did right. Um, and that was honestly one of the fan services too. And this has nothing to do, cause I, I love Mortal Kombat mm. as I, as I sit across from you here in the studio, you see me decked out. I have, yeah, yeah, correct. I have the hat that I've had since 2012. I got my t shirt with the sleeves cut off and I'm even wearing, uh, Mortal Kombat socks. Oh lord, I didn't notice that. Um, uh, <laughs> that my brother got me for Christmas. I do not consider myself to be quote unquote a gamer. I, I enjoy video games. But I know that we have a lot of mutual friends that actually do play a lot of video games and consider themselves gamers. Um, I'm, I'm saying on the record right now, I'm not one. I know what I am. I know I know the lane that I need to stay in. But even if we're talking in terms of hardcore gamers, like not even hardcore game, they're not every gamer likes Mortal Kombat. Because then we start getting into the the conversation of like, oh, the the the, di- the dynamics of the games are this and, and it's so easy to spam a low kick and if you block and you use this character they're so broken and, and this is nerfed and, and this that and the other like then we start then that's that's where you lose me mm-hmm. in, in terms of like ha- trying to have a conversation about this with a gamer it's like dude I just dropped $63.28 just like everybody else at GameStop or, or Best Buy can you just shut the hell up and let me yeah. play this video game please <laughs> like let me love what I love <laughs> But going back to the point about the violence, so the violence actually did it justice, and it was actually... I don't want to say it needed to be this way, but I feel like it did, because when Mortal Kombat made, made its original release as a video game, as an yeah. arcade game... I know that
0: was part of the, the appeal.
1: There was, Yeah, there was so much controversy behind it. it. During its original run, there was so much controversy with it being so excessively violent as just being a video game, and there are the The kids that grew up in that era, depending on how strict your parents were, some kids were even restricted from playing that game because of how how violent it was and yeah, how yeah. gruesome it was. So, adding that element to the movie was actually spot on and, and, and well done. I will say,
0: yeah, I'm not saying they did a bad job. I just think, for my taste, like that wasn't make or break whether I liked this movie, and I probably enjoyed it a little bit more just because it came off the heels of me watching Annihilation. Uh, so, like you know, anything after that it was going to be only up all uphill from here so um i mean it wasn't i enjoyed it for what it was but you know i i'm all about like i hate it when movies are just setting up for the sequel right away that's why the whole thing with the tournament thing really threw me off because like you're giving all this exposition away about this tournament and then you don't deliver on it and then at the end it's all just to lead up to you know you tease johnny cage or whatever and it's like well then what was the whole story then? If it was, if it was just about Sub Zero and the Scorpion character, then have the movie be about that then, and then the rest is just recruiting everybody, right? Um, because the the Scorpion and the Sub Zero stuff felt like it was a completely different movie than what what else was going on. Because when that stuff was going on, it felt heavy and and uh, pretty big, like an important. Mm-hmm. Everything else was just like, eh, you know, whatever. Um, but yeah, I, I hate this whole like, and that's just. The state that we are in in movies where everything like we everything gets a sequel now, so I just appreciate stories when they're told in full. And if you tease something for like the next movie, that's cool. But give me a, a complete story, start to finish, not leaving bread crum- crumbs, saying like, "Oh, well, this will be explained in the next movie." It's like, oh, okay, I'm cool with it if you announce that it's going to be a trilogy. But who's to know if they're going to consider this movie a success to garner a sequel? So. Let's say it doesn't get one, then like, well, then what was the whole point? Like, why did yeah. you just tell a complete story and make the best movie possible? Um, let's move on to the final topic on this. And I know we, we just, I just gave a whole speed on sequels. Um, I feel like if they do one, I feel like it needs personality. And this is where we, we kind of talked about casting what ifs, um, off air. Um, I posted an article that The Miz, wanting to be casted as johnny cage he was kind of like throwing his name out in the hat yeah uh out there and i was like you know what like this he has personality you can say whatever you want about miz as a wrestler but as a character the way if you watch in wrestling the arrogance he's like an a-list he likes to that's his character in wrestling he's an a-list actor Mm -hmm. celebrity or whatever and he's very arrogant and cocky but could also you know fight um i think he would work for johnny cage so i'm like okay cool if you get him for the sequel Let's get personality. I got a bunch of backlash on this, and about a bunch of like these marks who think that they know how to cast. And I'm gonna flat out say, geeks and marks should never cast for movies because they don't know how to do it. Like they always get the most outlandish things or outlandish people. Like I know some people still want to make Nathan Philian a thing. That's the guy from like Firefly mm-hmm. and The Rookie. They always want him for something, and it's like, dude, like no, like stop, stop with your fan casting. And I, I know you disagreed with me on this earlier, but. There was a poll out there about Ryan Reynolds wanting uh, to, people wanting him to play Johnny Cage. I'm sorry, but if you, if Ryan Reynolds were to look, I know he would even pass on doing this. Like, this is so, and I'm not trying to degrade Mortal Kombat, but it is what it is. Ryan Reynolds is above this. Ryan Reynolds is a pretty big list star. I feel like it would be, like, distracting casting if you put him in this movie. I feel like he just wouldn't fit and it would destroy the whole dynamic. And I know The Miz is not like the best choice either, but he fits in that world where it's not like these super well-known actors and they can just be the characters. For as if you're getting Ryan Reynolds, you're not thinking Johnny Cage. You're thinking Ryan Reynolds as Johnny Cage as opposed to him being the, the character. I don't know. Those
1: are my thoughts on it. What are your thoughts? Uh, so one of the things that I, I'm going to talk about here that, that I expressed when we were discussing this off the air too is, um, I don't hate the idea of the Miz being uh, a Johnny Cage because it wasn't just because um, y- you posted a link and it was like a I forgot what link it was. It was kind of like a second or third party link, but they were a pretty reputable and incredible source because you you do you do your due diligence yeah, yeah, and I don't making know, sure
0: from geek dot It's not a
1: <laughs> you know it's not it's not ThanosClapsCheeks.com or <laughs> we 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 got this dot, dot com or whatever. We got this covered. Though. Yeah, we got Be this covered. Site. <laughs> um, so. It wasn't just from that article, The Miz himself actually on his personal social media pages and of course all of the other wrestlers are were kind of chiming in on this. He was like, "Hey, if you need somebody to be Johnny Cage, like I can I can actually do it. You know, I'd I'd, I'd be I'd be all for it." And and if you don't know The, the Miz uh, as a as a wrestling character, his character actually very much fits in with who Johnny Cage can be. Uh, in terms of just like this, this pompous, I'm better than you. As, as you had stated, he's like, I'm, I'm A list. I'm better than everybody else. Mm. Johnny Cage has, has a little bit more of like a, a style about him where he, they kind of did it and the, they kind of did it very well in the 1995 version where he's out to prove something because he's out to prove that he, you know, he, cause he's also a martial artist. He's not just an actor. Like he right. knows how to fight. So he wants to prove that everything that he does is legit and not just for show and for flash and, and just choreographed behind cameras with special effects. Um, so that's kind of one of the things that the, the Miz would need to dawn upon him. Uh, I've also seen many article, uh, with, with, uh, Ryan Reynolds, uh, having his name thrown out into the hat, Ryan Reynolds, actually. So Ryan Reynolds himself actually teased because Ryan Reynolds has a deal with, um, with mint mobile, if you've ever seen like uh if you're ever scrolling through youtube or facebook or something if you ever see like a like an ad for mint mobile with uh with the voiceover of Ryan Reynolds like he has that partnership he actually posted a little bit of gra- a little graphic of him with mint mobile and he he did it with a caption of like oh if it, if it's me and mint mobile versus Versus any other competitor out there in the company, any other phone service, you know, we're going to do what we've always done and that's finish them and it's him in like a, like a thing of, of like, with like a Johnny Cage kind of get up and he's actually, um, he's got the background, uh, of one of the, uh, the fighting stages of one of the, uh, original Mortal Kombat games. I think it was the subway or, or the armory from Mortal Kombat 2 was, was what, what he was standing in front of. So that kind of drew some buzz. IGN, uh, which is a very popular kind of, uh, video game style video game oriented uh company they did a a twitter poll where it was the miz uh and uh the miz and ryan reynolds versus two other i I don't remember their names off the top of my head but two other potential casting components to, to play the johnny cage character and uh ryan reynolds won by a landslide was the miz second the Miz was second, okay. yes. Yeah, it was. It was like it was like the first two guys, and then the Miz, and then Ryan Reynolds, and the Miz was like his bar was up to here, but Ryan Reynolds was like the, yeah, higher yeah, perc- yeah, the higher percent, the higher
2: percentage. Sure. More known.
1: My my thing about the casting with with Ryan Reynolds is, I, I agree to your point that yeah, he's he's more of a of a higher tier than what this movie led on to be, especially since you shared uh the statistic uh on your on your Twitter where after after 1 week it dropped 73% and it's no longer the the it's no longer the front runner of the of the box office it got overtaken by uh, by demon slayer um which i mean there there are some things to talk about that but i'm i'm going to focus more on the casting if if that is the success the level of success for this movie and this movie only generated so much revenue can you even afford ryan reynolds to do this role right like how how do you because you gotta make sure, for continuity purposes, you gotta make sure that you bring the original cast back, because like you said, otherwise what was the point, and then we end up with an annihilation situation where like, two characters, like you, you probably get Cole Young, and uh, I don't know, maybe Sonya will stay the same, but then you have to recast Jax, and then you have to recast, you know, everybody else that's still alive, mm-hmm. um, in order to afford Ryan Reynolds. The other thing, the other side of that coin too is if somehow you manage to afford a Ryan Reynolds contract to, to convince him to, to do this movie, that's actually not bad in terms of giving this movie an appeal. And, and I know that it's not always good to look at it in terms of like, if you're going to go watch a movie, you got to, you got to go into it because you want to watch the movie for what it is and not for who's in it. Like, who's in it is only half the battle, or not even like maybe less than half the battle. The, the majority of it is the story that's being told and, and what exactly you're going to watch on the screen. But Ryan Reynolds is a big, uh, is a very big household name. And so, even people who aren't fans of Mortal Kombat in general might see the name Ryan Reynolds and might actually be enticed. To want to to go see that movie because of him, and so that'll generate a, a bigger return and have more success. That's that's just I, the way I
0: see it. I agree with that. Like, if I'm a businessman and if I'm at Warner Brothers, I'm like, hell yeah! Like, if we can get Ryan Reynolds in this movie, let's get him. I'm just thinking in terms of I'm thinking in terms of him, or maybe I don't know. Maybe he just thinks differently, but I don't know if this if this script landed on like Chris Evans, you know, you know, on his stack of scripts that he gets, like. Is he really going to be in a Mortal Kombat movie? Like, And Ryan Reynolds, if he gets casted in this, all of a sudden like, it's all on him now. I'm sure he's going to want to have say in the script, like, hey, I, w- I want to be more the focal point of this story. Mm-hmm. You can even say, like, you can even put his name on top of everything else. Ryan Reynolds in Mortal Kombat, whatever it's right. called. Like, that's how big he is. As opposed to, like, everybody else that's in this movie, you can just call it Mortal Kombat and you don't have to put names or anything. That's where... You get that 90s style, like, star quality. That's why I think Ryan Reynolds, like, he's not top tier, but he's like way above <laughs> what this
1: is. He, he's, he's more on the, he's more on the level of like the, the cast that we currently have yeah, for, yeah. for this 2021 remake of that, that it fits. That, that makes sense. Um, and then I, but then I kind of think back to like, if they want to turn this into, uh, if they want to turn this into a trilogy, or I, I even think I saw like you were, you and Jake, uh, bouncing back and forth on, on Facebook where it's like, maybe it was, it was probably Jake maybe that shared the post where it's like, oh, if, if this movie is successful, they want to do like four, some, something, something out, outlandish like that, like four or five more movies. Yeah. So if you want to take it that direction, kind of like how we were talking about with Marvel, you know, who's going to be the front runner that's going to carry that franchise to, to be able to, to do that. And I think, yeah. I think Ryan Reynolds would, in fact, be a, a, a very heavy name that would be able to, that would be able to hold that weight and carry it into, you know, mul- multiple multiple movie sequels. Um,
0: and don't get me wrong, I would I would totally watch if Ryan Reynolds is in the sequels Johnny Cage. I'm just thinking like I don't think he would do it. And also, if you're going to get personality or, or make it more well known, why not get Ronda Rousey as Sony Blade?
1: And she, like, fun fact, she actually did voice Sonya Blade in in the recent video game that came out. In why? Why wouldn't
0: they do that? I could see that happening. They but, could have casted her to get more to get more eyes on the product, like you said. Right? Why wouldn't you cast Ronda Rousey in that role? Budget with it could be budget. They probably didn't have the, but
1: because this was this was kind of just one of those that was like came out of nowhere, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, it was kind of just from the ground up, like like somebody just decided, like, hey, we're we're gonna do a. We're we're going to do a retelling or a reimagining of of the Mortal Kombat story, and we're going to do it. So they probably didn't have a whole lot. They were probably banking on it to to do to be more successful than it was because Mortal Kombat is is a pretty iconic uh, you know form of entertainment or form mm-hmm. of art. But yeah, it turned out the way that it did, and it. Not, they, they not only gave it a theatrical release, but they gave it a dual release. So mm-hmm. they, they gave people the option of watching it at home on, on the HBO Max network, uh, which kind of, you can kind of argue took away from that. Um, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't think, and, and Ronda is a big household name too. So if you're going to get, you know, if you're going to put a movie together right off the bat, you, you kind of have to take a big gamble to, to be able to afford having yeah. her in the,
0: and I'm not even saying in terms of acting I mean, but the physicality, she could pull off that. She could be actually yeah, fight, a fighter yeah. and it'd be believable too. Not that this girl wasn't believable, but you know, she can get down and dirty with the guys and mm-hmm. it make it like, oh shit, like this chick is super badass. Um, that's what I'm saying. Like from that point, not because of an acting, like her acting is like, you know, it's, it is what it is. It it's, is what it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, if they're going to do the sequel, yeah, get more personality, but I just think. You have to keep it on a certain level. Ryan Reynolds is up here. I, this is high praise for you, Ryan Reynolds. So appreciate that. So like, I think he's too up here, where he would overshadow what the movie or what the world they've set up to be. At least that's what I think.
1: And, and maybe, and and I could be, I could myself be 100 percent completely wrong at this too. But you had brought up the example of like, oh, let's say if if this script were to land on Chris Evans's uh lap in terms of like Mm. the list of scripts that he's that he's proposed to to be in i don't want to say that ryan reynolds doesn't take acting seriously but i don't see ryan reynolds taking his acting as serious as someone as chris evans does because if you if you take a look at the things that chris evans done like yeah at the the infancy of his career he did like not another teen movie and then he was also in uh that one that everybody loves uh scott pilgrim versus the world Mm. um and he was in stuff like that, but even then, you know, he's done more. You know, he he's as an artist and as an actor, he likes doing more of the the dramatic and serious roles. So, yeah. the the way that he carries himself as Captain America, um, even when he did uh, Knives Out, like he's very calculating and, and very precise with yeah, yeah. you know with with his style and with his acting. Ryan Reynolds is. is you know he's he's just he's again i'm not saying that he doesn't take his acting seriously but he's always down to clown like he he likes being the funny guy the the comedic relief mm. um and i can see i can see that being like a like a johnny johnny cage style of character yeah. too while still being the the pompous and, and arrogant like i'm better than you type character um and even you know even the way that he portrays himself as deadpool yeah, and, yeah. And, and and the fact that he does a phenomenal job with that and and that style of like Violence and and you know he shoots somebody in the head and you see all the the brains and the the blood and stuff like that 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 would kind of that would kind of fit him right at home with with what what this would be and then again you kind of put that that moniker of him being the front runner of of carrying the fran being able to carry the franchise if they were to move on with with multiple movies mm-hmm. beyond just one sequel
0: I have to also think about this post pandemic actors are probably like they're willing to get any work they can get yeah up. exactly so I'm like okay this is a property probably get a couple sequels i mean whether or not warner's goes on with it i'm sure they will but yeah if you're if you're an actor looking for a job or to latch on to something that'll have some longevity yeah i can see ryan reynolds but i i can most definitely assure he's gonna ask for money
1: yeah he's he's gonna be he's yeah, like he's, he's gonna, gonna be hard paid so more
0: than everybody and everyone else is gonna have to be okay with that like and i'm sure they will because
1: ryan reynolds Shoot, if I if I if I get into better shape, I'm I'm actually, I'm actually learning how to do the splits. Like independent of this, one of my goals, my fitness goals, is trying to learn how to do the splits. So if I can pull that off, nice. shoot, I'm, I might I might throw my name into the to the hat. Like, hey, cast me.
0: Why not? Um. All right. Well, I think we've uh we've gone pretty long here, and this is non wrestling, so this, this 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 is a
1: this is a shocker for all of you out there who who thinks all I do is talk about gym and, and wrestling i I can hold conversations for, for plenty of other things so that. this is this is the surprise uh so like the surprise a, episode it
0: was like an audition for like future episodes non-wrestling did pretty good we i mean it, it's we're going on three hours here it has not felt like three hours so we've just gone on this feels just talk. like i mean it feels like it always does it's just
1: yeah. good conversation yeah
2: all
0: right i think we'll wrap it up here uh have talked a lot on the draft marvel and, of course, Mortal Kombat, which you can check out now in theaters, which I prefer you all do. Or you can see it on HBO Max if you're still not comfortable going out. Um, much thanks to Brandon for for chiming in today and showing up and, and doing the work with me and uh, the homework, even though Annihilation was tough for the both of us. But oh, my goodness. It's all for the pod. It's all for for content and, and, and fun conversation. I uh, appreciate you, buddy. And before you know it, uh july is gonna be here real quick and uh i gotta start soon doing my rewatching on terminator 2 and preparing for uh the 90s movies turning 30 which don't worry folks it's getting back on track and getting some stuff in the works i know we're a little already into 2021 i still got to wrap up the season one with tucker uh we we promised to do godfather part three which i'll wrap that up at some point and then we'll segue in here to season two which i'll probably i'll probably kick off with terminator with brandon and then we'll we'll bounce around all these other movies because again we're in the and we're celebrating the 30-year anniversary of 1991 movies and yeah terminator 2 is a big part of it so but yeah thanks for thanks for coming on today with me buddy
1: yes sir as always uh again incredibly grateful always happy to be on uh i don't like to i don't typically like to ask for too much um but any any opportunity that i have to to be on the show is always a blast and uh, just talking about, talking about whatever, whether it's wrestling, movies, uh, sports, football, um, conversing is, is always a, a great time with you and you have a lot of good insight too that I can kind of bounce off of and, and we can just kind of hold a, a three hour conversation as, as we have just proven about anything. So, uh, thank you so much for having me on.
0: All right, buddy. Thanks a lot. And, uh, you guys appreciate y'all tuning in today. You can follow this podcast on Spotify, search palace off the top rope, hit that follow button. Um, if you're an Apple person, subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Leave me that five-star review. I would greatly appreciate it. Um, I do share this podcast link through my social media pages on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter through podbean.com. You can download the app as well there if that's how you listen to your podcast. Um, that's going to do it for today. Uh, we'll see what's up on the horizon. A lot of stuff happening soon. Uh, the summer movie season's upon us. So I'm sure a lot of stuff I'm going to be cooking up soon. So. Uh, thanks a lot again to Brandon for coming on today. That'll do it, and we'll see you next time.